but hello everyone and welcome to Please Don't Listen to This, Your Life Depends On It. This is our Game of the Year 2020 special. Uh, mm. It's... Uh, it's we're here and it's uh it's just alex and uh myself nick and Hello. We're, uh, we're it's not the whole crew today uh because cam and seb each only played uh one game respectively this year so <laughs> that is okay they they are uh they have uh respectfully opted out and that's totally fine uh because alex and i were in a pissing contest to see who could uh play the most video games in a year where we weren't allowed to go outside that's right um but uh, last year we had a lot of fun with this, uh, and I, I would look forward to, like, we don't have to do this every year, but I, I did have a lot of thoughts on stuff that I would like to uh, bring up, especially after hearing, like, you know, other podcasts do their Game of the Year things. Uh, uh, the the Bombcast always does theirs, although I don't even listen to that. I just know it because so many people I do like mm-hmm. know it. Uh, and Let's Play to Boss does their insane, cruel countdown. Yeah. Uh, and, like, other people, who they focus on games, they're probably talking about something that happened this year. But, um... We don't do really do a news segment or anything. You yeah, know? So I think that this is it, it's good to have a chance to talk about this stuff because we don't, you know, unless we do an episode on something we really like, I, we don't get a chance to talk about, you know, what we've been doing day to day, not for the podcast. Right. It's rare that something that happened recently is some is relevant to the show. Uh, yeah. Like, so, you know, Hades was a big exception of that and uh, Animal Crossing as well when it came out right at the beginning of quarantine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was it was definitely uh like we those were things that we would have talked about uh, anyway because they were going to be they were going to be big for us regardless um but we also played a bunch of other stuff this year that didn't fit so neatly into what we wanted to talk about like i, I you know i'm going to talk about it later i really loved 13 sentinels i'm not going to make everyone play that <laughs> cam would get an hour in and then make fun of me for 3 hours on the episode and <laughs> Even if it's a good game, even if he liked yeah. it, he would. That's okay. I totally get that. Mm-hmm. Um, or or something like, something like a like a hard as nails uh, platformer that I really like. You know, something. Uh, I'm just going to use Panzer Paladin as an example. Hard as nails retro style platformer thing that I really liked, but it doesn't really like. I don't have, I don't have two hours in me on that. Sure. Even though yeah. I do think it was a good game. Um, it's it's one of those things that uh, the format of the show makes it so that we don't talk about certain things because they don't quite fit into the way that we discuss everything. Yeah, there's kind of a specific kind of thing that has to be, you know, yeah. you know, if for it to have enough meat to be a topic, we've got to be able right. to talk about it for two hours or whatever. And it has to be something that you can, that other people can get the gist of in two hours, which isn't True. always the case with yeah. games that we really like. Like, for example, Alex, you really like Outer Wilds. Uh, that came out yeah. last year. I don't know if we could, we would really be yeah. able to dig as into much that. As, I'd, as much a... as I'd love to make everyone play, uh, yeah, Outer Wilds or like Return of the Oberdin, like those mm-hmm. are holistic experiences. You you right. have to kind of play the whole thing to really get at what it's doing. Right. We both loved Disco Elysium, but we can't make an right. episode yeah. on it because it, by the time you're two hours in, you don't know enough to get to talk yeah, about the whole thing. Probably haven't even finished day one. <laughs> probably not. I had a hard enough time just uh, making it out of the hotel without having a heart attack in that game. Um, <laughs> so I've got I've got a little list of the stuff that I played this year. Just probably going to run through some bullet points. I don't know. Yeah. Um, why don't we? Hear, do. I was thinking that a, a nice way to do this would be we'd uh, we'd swap off. Uh, you say okay. game, I say game, and we just kind of go through our list of the stuff we played. And uh, if you know if it's something that we both played, then we can we can talk about it a little more. 
Um, uh, and there's no, obviously there's no like real format and we're, I, I think maybe at the end, if we want, we can do like a top three each. Cause yeah, was, I'll probably, uh, cause we did that. Maybe I'll mention what was my favorite, but I don't, I don't have a clear picture in my mind right yeah. now. It's not like last year for me where it was so easy for me to go, well, obviously these ones are better than these ones. And then, of course, yeah. right after we recorded that fucking Game of the Year special 2019, I played three games right in a row that immediately replaced the top three other ones that I <laughs> did. I played um, last year, right after we were done recording that, I played uh, Disco Elysium, which was incredible. I played yeah. that on Christmas Day, and it was, <laughs> it was amazing. It was so yeah. good. And it was, it was like rocketed up to the favorite game I played last year. And then I played Fire Emblem Three Houses, which I was not expecting to like as much. I thought it'd be a guilty pleasure. I thought I'd be like, oh, yeah, it's a chess, but the units kiss each other. That's fine. I'm going to like it. <laughs> um, and I, it was incredible. And uh, Emily's behind me playing it right now. She's experiencing it, and I'm happy because like, that was a really, really good game and like easily the best Fire Emblem I've played. Um, and then, of course, something that you had been at on me about for a while, I've played Sekiro right after those two, and yeah. that was really, really good. So, like, obviously this list is going to be incomplete, but, like, uh, yeah, also sure. it's I, not there's... not really going to be ranked in the same way that we, yeah. we kind of got to last year. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff I still want to get to, uh, and I've mm -hmm. kind of been cleaning it out, but I, you know, haven't finished a couple of these that I'll probably mm -hmm. be shouting out, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you want to go uh, first? Oh, I was going to offer it to you. All right. Uh, you, yeah. got, you got better notes. Okay. Um, yeah, this isn't in super uh, super perfect order, but um, let's see. I'll uh, I'll start with Half Life Alex. Perhaps my favorite oh, yeah. thing I played this year. Yeah, um, I'm uh, I'm honestly jealous that I am not able to play this, and the only real reason is because of the pandemic. Because I think if I was able to like do this or even play a little bit of it in your living room, yeah, I would this, have done this, it. This is one of those things that I, I definitely would have probably done for an episode because I think you can kind mm -hmm. of get the idea. The, the onboarding, the intro is very good at showing you the kind of detail they put into this game. So I think it, it could make for a good topic and maybe we'll do it eventually. I don't know. But yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, this, we, this we've hit, already dipped into VR games before. And yeah. I think we, we could definitely go back. It's, it's a fun topic. Yeah, this hit at like right around when people were like, well, we should probably stay home. So I, you know, wasn't about to tell everybody to strap the same VR headset onto their face. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so this is the like very long awaited follow up to the Half-Life series. It's been, uh, God, like 14 years, maybe I don't, 2007 mm. uh, since the last Half-Life. And yeah, because that, that's when episode two came out. Yes. Uh, and left everyone with a big cliffhanger for that long. And uh, this does deliver on that, but I also think that nothing can live up to the expectations that that kind of weight presents. I, so I think a lot of people were coming at it from that angle. Uh, but I had a lot of fun with this. I played it, I I think I've played it through like three times this year. Because mm. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's short. It took me about 10 hours on my first go, and I've reduced that a lot since because I, you know, know where everything's at. Uh, but this is, it's uh, VR Half-Life in the way that you expect Valve to be able to make worlds that are just so detailed and so authored, and they just bring all of that to this. Uh, and uh, they recently patched in the developer commentary mode, so I've been going oh, back through that. Oh, that's a big plus for me because uh, having those modes in, uh, I, I say I want to say older Valve games, but it's weird to call anything that came out <laughs> yeah. after 2010 old. So yeah. like. Like yeah, I don't know. It's like it's like oh yeah, older Valve games are when they haven't made one since 
uh, since Portal 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's like, but yeah, I loved the having the developer commentary modes in it. Even though I'm most likely, I'm going to say 95% sure I will never make a game myself. I really enjoy uh, like kind of seeing what what goes into uh, making something like this, especially something as intricate as Half-Life Alex, where they're like, okay, well, we have to sell people on the idea of VR and make a sequel to Half-Life 2 at the same time. Yeah, and it's a lot of really nitty-gritty game dev stuff, and like it's fun to see how um, the one of the, the major mechanics in the game is your... Um, and how they get around having to pick stuff up in VR. Uh, they, have, they give you the gravity gloves, uh, which are... Like in universe, they're kind of a precursor to what would become the gravity glove, uh, gravity uh, gun. Uh, and you basically you do a hand motion. Uh, you point at something with one of your fingers, or mm-hmm. with generally with your f- controller, uh, and then you grip and pull it towards yourself in kind of a flick motion, and it'll bring the thing, the object, right to you. Very. And that's cool. kind of a. It feels so natural and uh, perfect once you get the hang of it. But like, uh, you know, of course, in the dev commentary, they're like, well, yeah, we draw the matrix and, you know, all this shit. They they really, really spent a lot of time refining that. It's simple stuff like that, you know, not having to bend over to pick something up, uh, like physically, is uh, one of the nice little affordances. Um, but yeah, this it, it's it's really good. It was it's kind of hard to describe because it's it's such a different experience from the, uh, any of the other kinds of games I've played. Uh, VR is just such another step forward, and this is one of the best VR games. I, I think there are other experiences that do different things. Like I think uh, Super Hot VR and Beat Saber are really interesting demonstrations of what VR can be. But this is like a straight putt video game with the kind of panache that uh, <laughs> that VR can uh, provide. And so yeah, it's it's just amazing, and it might make an appearance on the podcast at some point. Mm, yeah, uh, given I, I we, certainly we can all uh, when we can all be together again. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, let's see. Let me look at my my list. I definitely don't want to go alphabetical because uh, I I tried to keep a list in terms of um, the order I played things. So I'm thinking back to the beginning. Of the yeah, game. mine's in a bit of a loose order. I've been skipping around a little bit for stuff that I don't have a ton to talk about. Uh, so the first thing I have written down is. Um, First thing I have written down is uh, Resident Evil 3 Remake, which I know you also played. Oh, yeah. yeah um, go ahead. Resident Take Evil the wheel 3 on that. Re- oh, man. I was really looking forward to this. I, If you would ask me, and I think we did mention it in 2019, uh, it's like, what are you looking forward to next year? And I'm like, oh, the only thing I'm looking forward to next year is Resident Evil 3 Remake. <laughs> and uh, while it was one of my favorite games this year, I was also extremely disappointed by it. And if uh, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's something that I, it's, it's, it's so... It crushes me, right? Because I don't like RE2 as much as I like RE3, even though the originals, even though I know that RE2 is a better game. Resident Evil 2 has better designed environments. It has a, a more like a compelling like character interactions. It's um, it's got like a it's got yeah, good they boss have the fights. Whole a and B scenario thing. Yeah, the A and B scenario thing works better. It's probably one of the best PS1 games ever. However. I like Resident Evil 3 more because uh, the boss fight against Nemesis, every single one of them just kicks a lot of ass. And yeah. it's, a, it's a kind of like a funnel to those moments. And even though I've played it a couple times now, it's, uh, 
it still like surprises me when he jumps out of places because I didn't bother to look into well what wall can he jump out of and what what yeah. places is he is he allowed to do or, that? It, because it that game you... is so random it's yeah. like what what didn't I see on my first playthrough right because, exactly they yeah. they do a little bit of a of your it's possible for you to get this in this run it's possible for you to get th- that in that run I think that Resident and because of that I was really looking forward to Resident Evil Three Remake. Uh, a lot, especially after how good RE2 Make was. RE2 yeah, Make was incredible. Yeah, they set a bar, for sure. Because, you know, waiting for RE2 Make, the first Resident Evil remake that came out back in the early 2000s is one of my favorite games ever. And I was like, yep. yeah, well, uh, it's not going to be as good as that one. And it, like, was. That's So mm-hmm. I'm like, well, if they're putting this much effort into Resident Evil 3 as they did into Resident Evil 2, then it's going to be incredible. And the short answer is that they didn't. They didn't give them yeah. as much time. They didn't give them as much... Uh, money but they don't need to because they didn't need to create a whole new engine um but like it's shorter and more arcadey which is not a problem but it's just a little too short you know and they cut big parts out of the original resident evil 3 that i liked a yeah, lot some, some of the more memorable locations i think like yeah, the, i think the, 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 clock clock, tower, all the clock tower stuff the, is like that's that's the part yeah. where it gets mansiony and like oh. that's what you want out of resident evil right and the clock tower moments were some of my favorite things. And, like, yeah. I, I understand maybe if you keep the bosses to, okay, the only bosses are nemesis. I get that. It's, like, a strong theming thing. Uh, and mm-hmm. I guess I should say a little bit, like, in, in Resident Evil 3, you are being chased around by nemesis, this one super strong bio-organic zombie creation, basically just created to kill a group of people that you are one of them. Yeah. And it hunts you down the entire game and there are a couple of points in the game where you have to turn around and fight it off so that you can keep moving forward and escape this city alive and it's cool it's it's really cool it's insanely good it's just yeah i think uh, it was really one of those first one of the first kinds of horror games that did the like relentless pursuit by a specific monster and like that's kind of a trope now especially Mm -hmm. post post like amnesia and stuff it's very i mean uh, the clock tower games do that stuff too but it's not the same in those games. yeah that's true um this because you know Resident Evil Three the original was a lot more action e and so is this one. However, like I, it's like they cut out a lot. And my complaint is not just that the game is short, but it's it's more that like this a lot of the substance is gone too. Like you're not thinking about puzzles or returning through areas much. Yeah, after there's the like first one hours puzzle the in the whole game. It's yeah. really disappointing because RE3 my, had puzzles. It did. And my favorite part about the Resident Evil games is when it's like about the classic style Resident Evil games anyway, is when you pick up an item and you're like, oh, I have to go back to this earlier location to use that item. And thinking about the journey of walking that you have to take to get to that location is like, oh God, am I ready for this? Am I ready to walk down that hallway again? Yeah. There's a hallway in Resident Evil Remake, the first one, that is jokingly called the murder hallway. Uh, <laughs> and it's the one where there are uh, the the fixed camera has some propped up mirrors that make and uh the first crimson head spawns in that room and crimson head very strong zombie that is like the second time you have to kill a zombie the second time it gets up and is way stronger and faster and the murder hallway thinking about trying to route myself around not having to go in that hallway even if it was a longer journey was something that i really enjoyed and lots of things like that happen in resident evil 2 remake as well where i'm like i don't want to have to go through the library is there a way i can avoid going through the library yeah (laughs) yeah i know there's a liquor in this room i don't want to deal with that (laughs) but you don't have to do that at all in resident evil 3 remake and yeah, it doesn't mean that there's nothing good yeah. about the game. The boss fights are really good, like the best they've ever been, probably. Yeah, it's and, good uh, RE set piece boss fight, but yeah, it is. It seems it's very one note. I yeah. would say 
there was not i did not feel the need to replay that game after finishing it i played it three times through two times in one night uh actually because i was trying to get a good time and i still didn't get a good time but after that time i'm like i could do this again but i don't feel it i'm not going to get something i'm not going to get that much out of this even though i i want to say that the experience itself was very good it was just uniquely disappointing because i know what it could have been if it had more time in the oven yeah i think that like the my biggest issue with it um and i'm sure you also felt this is that it's just a a really big bummer what they did with nemesis because the potential was there to make it absolutely just the next level of what the original was and he he was he was nearly like a a system like he was yeah he was so close to perfect yeah and now he's just kind of a set piece like the beginning level they have a little bit of him wandering around chasing you Mm -hmm. but in like every other point of the game it's just when it's boss fight time he's there Mm -hmm. yeah uh and And it's disappointing it is so disappointing because in Resident Evil 2 Remake, they have Mr. X, a kind of a wandering enemy who can hunt you down at various points through the first half of the game. Yeah. And he works the exact way that I would want Nemesis to work. And then they just don't do that because this game doesn't have spaces that you're moving around like that. It doesn't yeah. have a space that you're moving around returning to different areas outside of the very limited uh, backtracking in the first area of the game, which is good. It's just you needed more of it. You know, like it's... It's if you spent more time in that first area, you don't even need to like create like more sections. Like what if the power station was more of a fleshed out area? Like if the power station right. was a place that you had to spend more time in and Nemesis could bust through a wall while you were in there, I think that that would be a long go a long way towards making this game better. And e- even with all the complaining I just did, I still think that it was a really good game and I liked it a lot. But, yeah, I I I'm all, you know, I been really into everything that's that capcom has done lately i think you know post they've uh, been on their with, a game it's a little with, weird with re7 i think everything that they've made since has been like really cool yeah. and good even if you know some of the games aren't aren't as for me like dmc5 right. seems great but mm. i haven't played dmc5 it yet. was one of my favorites last year i think it was a unanimous kind of success in my book yeah and um, um emily and i can could talk for hours about how good the most recent monster hunter was yeah, and it's, it's like it's I, it's still it still holds up very well. I think they've really been been making great games. So I had my expectations were a little bit higher than maybe they should have <laughs> should have been going into this remake. But they they set the bar there. They so. they said yeah exactly they did that by making Resident Evil Two remake so good they placed the bar so high. Yeah. And I'm, I'm if Resident still Evil Two really remake came out and it was kind of okay, then none of us would have been complaining about this. Yeah, I'm still really looking forward to. Resident Evil 8, I think it, I think yeah. that shows a lot of potential. I, I'm really interested in the direction that they're going with it. So yeah, I hope that this was just a, a, a misstep, a, you know, along the way to more good RE games from them. Yeah, but I mean, if Capcom we'll is going to release another mechanically refined and creatively bankrupt game, I'm going to be, ha- I'm still going to play it. Like if yeah. it's just Bloodborne with a gun, with a more effective, more effective gun, like I'll, <laughs> I'll be ready. I'll be there for it. But uh, it's your turn. I don't know what uh, what you have next on your list. Um, let's see. Uh, real brief take on uh, Umurangi Generation. Uh, yeah, I I, this, I'm gonna, up, this is on my list. I'm going to get to this. I had picked this up when it came out um, much earlier in the year. had played um, about half of it and then put it down. I finally picked it up recently and went back through the, the second half of the levels. Uh, this game is kind of like it's a uh, photography game. Um, a la like a Pokemon Snap, except you're in a level, uh, you have free control, it's not on rails. 
uh, you are basically doing a scavenger hunt. It'll give you a task of uh, take a photo of four birds, uh, take a photo of the word uh, hops or whatever. Um, and you just have a, li a list of those things that you need to do uh, along with some bonus objectives, uh, like uh, find the canisters of film hidden around the level or take a photo with all of your friends in it uh, or replicate the photo from mm. the uh, postcard that you uh, shows on the splash screen. Uh, and you have a time limit, a loose time limit of, of 10 minutes. Or I, I, it might be different in every level. But um, you have a loose time limit to do these things if you want to complete the bonus objectives. You can take as much time as you want otherwise. Uh, and you're just kind of let loose in these uh, like cyber, <laughs> lo-fi, uh, very Jet Set Radio-y uh, hmm. maps. And, Lots of uh, things about this game definitely gel with me. It's it's on the it's on a list of things I want to play. However, there is a there is a Switch version coming out, I believe, by the end of January. And uh, I saw that one of the developers tweeting about it and like holding up the holding up the Switch like it was a camera. Oh, like that's moving cool. it around with gyro, and I'm like, oh, do I want to wait for that? That seems really cool. Yeah, and uh, it's like I'm not a I'm not a photography nerd. I like I don't take a lot of photos, but like there's a lot there for people who like that kind of thing. You can like per photo, you can do filters and you unlock different lenses and the abilities to do different after effects and fill and all kinds of stuff. So like there's there's a lot there just as a taking photos of an interesting environment. Uh, but it also has like a pretty fun scavenger hunt thing. Like I really liked going around and trying to get, you know, I, like I take a photo of 12 candles. So I have to find the place where 12 candles intersect within the, the FOV of my camera to take That's this photo. Cool. Um, and the environments are cool. It's a, they kind of go places with the, like with the subtext. And there's a lot of interesting stuff if you want to read into the lore of this world and the kinds of things that uh, take place in it. I Not to spoil it, really, because mm. I think there's... And there's a DLC that takes place uh, after the events of this game that seem to go more into that. But it's it does some cool things if you like uh, environmentalism and you like apocalypse and you like kind of uh, weird dystopias. Uh, there's some stuff there beyond just taking photos. And I, I liked it. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, quick, no, I, I think quick, that, that sounds game. great. I, yeah. I'd, like to, uh, I'd like to get to that, whether it's uh, on PC or on Switch. Uh, but that's, that's definitely uh, on the list of things I'm going to get to. But it sounds really good. And it's always nice to support. Um, uh, this, I want to I take care to shout out smaller developers in this because it's very easy for me to uh, just say, like, yeah, I played three of the releases that everyone was uh, <laughs> yeah, talking about. Yeah, I have about opinions on the several of the biggest yeah, games yeah, this you know, year, but I also uh, we, liked stuff like this. <laughs> we did a whole we did a whole episode on Animal Crossing when when it had just come out because we were mm -hmm. loving the hell out of it. But everyone everyone played Animal Crossing. It is very good. Yes, um, it is the next thing on my list, but I'm not talking about it because we did a whole yeah episode we did on a whole it. episode I, on it. I, yeah, I, yeah. Briefly, I would like to say because I played it for another month and a half after we did that episode um, that Animal Crossing is. Uh, I I skipped like three Animal Crossing games. I briefly played the first one, and then I didn't play really play a whole lot of Wild World or City Folk, and then uh, I played New Leaf, like way after it had come out, and it was good. And this one, 
I don't know if I like it as much as New Leaf, but it is very, very good. Like it's a it's a good game. It's just not yeah, like that's about perfect. Right, and the too. the crafting stuff doesn't really doesn't really. Uh, and Emily, who played way more of it than me, said that the crafting stuff was really annoying. So I feel kind of vindicated saying that. Yeah, I think so. I, there's a there's a game with a lot of crafting on on my list that I will get to, and I liked it. Oh, I liked the, the crafting idea of that... crafting isn't a problem. It's just yeah. that that particular game it's, it is, hit, is not yeah. the best with it. Not to tip my hand, but that uh, yeah. but Spirit Fair tipped a lot, hit a lot of the same buttons as Animal Crossing for me, and did it better, I think. And even though I like it, I liked Animal Crossing this year. I fell off of it pretty soon after we recorded that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one of the other ones on my list is a World of Horror, which entered its 1.0 this year. Uh, World of Horror is a it's they jokingly re- the developer jokingly refers to it as a one bit game. Um, <laughs> Because it's made in like a uh, in like an old PC style where it's just the white of your computer screen and the blacks fill in as like dots that kind that, that make yeah, up the shading. Yeah, it, it feels it. it feels Game Boyish in the dot matrix way that that is. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I yeah I yeah. haven't played it so go ahead. One of the main ways I'm shouting I have it on uh, if you want a Steam share you're welcome to but I'm I might be able to scare you away with this next thing which is that um. <laughs> Uh, even though this is easily one of the most uh, gorgeous, not in that it's beautiful, it's very horrifying. It's gorgeous in that it presents you with a lot of disturbing, fucked up imagery that is awesome to look at. It's great. Mm-hmm. And it gives you random ones ev- uh, most every time. It is a sort of roguelike kind of thing. It's more like sitting down with a person and being like, hey, I want to do an hour-long campaign of uh, Call of Cthulhu, the tabletop RPG. And they're like, okay, I've read a lot of uh, Junji Ito books, so I'm going to cure, I'm going to give you a horror campaign. And you get you pick like mysteries in quotes off of a corkboard that you have in your apartment. Uh, cool. Like you go to investigate something, but that thing is on a time limit. That thing is only happening for a little while. So it's like you go, it's like oh hey, uh, mysterious hooded figures are showing up and, and stalking young students around town. It's like all right, I'm going to investigate that one. So it's like well they're stalking students, so I should investigate the school. And you might have an inv- an event at the school, or you might talk to somebody at the school that gives you a little bit more info. And then, but you have like six turns or whatever to investigate that thing. And then at the end, you confront that thing. And if you, in your investigation, you did not like explore enough or discover enough about this thing, then when you confront it, you'll be at a huge disadvantage. Hmm. So okay. the demo one is like uh, the the woman with scissors or something like that. And it's a, it's a demonic looking woman with scissors who stalks people around and you investigate different parts of the school try and uh, get put a ritual together to banish her spirit but the intro to this game is so like the intro to this game is one of the best intros to any game ever it's it's like it and it plays in brief every time you start up a new run where it's like you know uh strange figures are following people around uh the moon has looked different every night uh some say that this town is sinking into the earth it's like it's like 16 different setups for the best horror story I've ever <laughs> All read. the coolest, and most yeah, evocative yeah, lines. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a way to excuse, like, it doesn't matter which mystery you pick. There's You don't need to worry about it being explained. Like, this town is so fucked up, it's, like, beyond gone. <laughs> um, but, like, maybe when you're leaving your apartment, a stalker with a bat will just try to kill you. And you have to also have to do some turn-based combat. And cool. I wish if there was, like, some kind of this is not what the game is made for but if there was just some kind of save system or something just any way for me to continue on a mystery after i fuck it up i (laughs) would love this game this game would be in my top five but i would get i found myself getting so frustrated even at the easiest difficulties of this thing because 
I would get close and then I would fuck it up at right at the end because it's yeah and then it, you don't get the payoff yeah. then you don't get the payoff yeah it's it, when you do solve a mystery it feels great and your character like improves and you can take on the next one but you know if the next one you you fuck it up it's like all right back to the beginning and pick a different mystery this time i'm like oh damn it like i don't know this game didn't to me this game didn't need to have like that element of procedural generation or randomness if you had like made uh structured encounters i personally would have liked it more but i think that there's something to be said that even though i am like so turned off by a lot of the gameplay stuff in this game this game still ranks so highly for me just because of the way it presents itself, it is so unique, and yeah, I believe if, it was made by one person. If you <laughs> so, if you look up the, like the store page or you see any footage from this game, it looks so cool. It's yeah. it's really distinct, and oh, like I just yeah. seen a couple of screenshots and a little bit of uh, the trailer, but you know, getting to see a big splash screen of something fucked up is really cool. <laughs> and uh, it's got great music as well. I, I, that's a shout out. It it tries to emulate the like really ancient PC game aesthetic. But to me, uh, just because of the color, I think it made me think of Game Boy stuff. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that was a huge plus for me as well. Uh, so World of Horror is quite good, if just maybe not for me. I will probably still return to it anyway, because I enjoy touching hot stoves, even when I know they're hot. Um, <laughs> but uh, your, your turn. What do you got? All right, next? cool. Um, I think I'm going to go for go for Doom Eternal. I think All that right, this good. Was, um, I was wondering which one of us would get to it first. Yeah, this was a game I was really looking forward to because Doom 2016 was like is like probably one of my favorite shooters. I think it's 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 way up there for me. That game like was a revelation in a way that like like Doom is back, and uh, you know since oh, then I I played played it back through a couple times, uh, and I really been interested in what they were going to do going forward because they set up a pretty interesting cliffhanger right and the natural extension is like oh you know now we're going to do doom 2 we're going to do doom hell on earth and uh, so a uh, quick quick aside uh mm -hmm. something i was talking about with emily i am so happy they didn't name this fucking game doom 2 i'm so <laughs> happy because i was worried they were going to do it and hitman 2 which came out in 2018 did this yeah where it's like all right we had a we had a, we're doing a reboot of an old older game series we're just going to call it the title we're going to call it doom and i'm like Okay, but there's already a Doom, but whatever, yeah. that's fine. Doom 2016, I can say that. It's not a huge mouthful. But if they did Doom 2, and I have to say Doom 2 2018, I would have been so fucking mad. Yeah. But I, the, 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 the subtitle is nice. I'll, yes. I'll, I'll settle for that. Um, yeah, so they had, like, given themselves a nice little sequel hook, and, like, I was interested in seeing what they were going to do going forward. Doom 2016 was pretty light on the story stuff. They, like, they do have more of it than people people say when they talk about it. But uh, the game like wasn't up its own ass lore wise in a way that Doom Three was a little bit. Uh, but Doom Eternal is well to to start with a negative. I think that, that that game doubles down on all of the insane, stupid lore story shit that I don't Absolutely. care about. It's people who like the the one issue Doom comic book a little too much. Yes, and it's not. None of it is I, interesting. I, yeah, I, I like it, but I also think uh, that, that they like it too much. Like, yeah, they, they... I I was also, like, kind of invested in the, the story that they had set up. Like, I think that a, a different version of a sequel to Doom 2016 would have you go, you know, you'd be banished to another dimension or put on ice or whatever at the end of 2016, and then you have to go, like, kill Sam Hayden because he fucked you over. Uh, he didn't learn any lessons from what he did, and now it's time to go take him down. But uh, this game doesn't really do that. They just make him your friend. Mm. Uh, but And there's still 
they're still adding on to this. They have a two-story expansions with a, the first out now and the second on the way. Uh, so they've kind of done something with that, but it doesn't matter. Um, this game plays really well. I think that they pretty much nailed the kind of combat that was there in 2016. They just like tightened everything up and it, it shines so much, I think. Uh, they reduced all your ammo counts, so you have to use your chainsaw like mm. per encounter at least once uh, in a way that you didn't have to in 2016. You can in in Doom 2016, you could kind of lean on a weapon you liked or like two weapons you liked. So you could say like, I'm going to use the super shotgun and I'm going to use the plasma gun. Those are my favorites. Uh, in this game, you have to use everything. And I, some people don't, don't love that. That was a change that was a little divisive, I think. But I saw people saying that they thought Doom Eternal was like obviously the way worse game. And I didn't feel that at all while I was playing it. And I, I found it so strange that that seems to be a consensus in certain places. Yeah, I, I mean, the issues I have with the with the lore and the story and the level design to an extent, uh, I they're almost made up, almost completely made up for with uh, just how this game plays. It just feels so good in my hands. Um, I also played the uh, the Ancient Gods Part One, the first part of their two part like story expansion thing. Uh, it's just more do like they just don't even tutorialize anything. They're like, you know what the game is. Here's all of your guns. It's twice as hard. <laughs> and like that's, it, they're really doubling down on a specific kind of player, but I'm that kind of player. So it was, it was, it's, was a lot of fun. Uh, this game just feels so good to play. It's like one of the most buttery smooth shooters I've play, ever played. Uh, it's so fun. But yeah, I don't know if you have any, any more Doom Eternal thoughts. Go for it. Yeah, um, okay, so Doom Eternal. Uh, I thought the arcadiness of it was a huge, it was like the exact upgrade I would have wanted from 2016, mm -hmm. where it was focused on each individual encounter is tightly designed uh, to test different resources and to test the environment, as opposed to the, the way the levels were kind of done in 2016, which I didn't like as much, but they were still pretty good. Um, I thought Doom Eternal was great but I have zero desire to return to it, if that makes sense. Like, it, it, yeah. it was definitely something that I enjoyed a lot, but it's it doesn't make my top five. If they, when they make another, yeah. when they make another one eventually, or uh, when, um, when uh, uh, the second story DLC comes out, I might return to it and, and maybe I'll be singing a different tune. But uh, I would like to say that the uh, fully upgraded chain gun in Doom Eternal and to a lesser extent, the original Doom 2016, uh, is maybe my favorite weapon in any first-person shooter. It's like, yeah, it it, it's it's so satisfying. It's it's just like a, four barrels, this impossibly large thing that's just <laughs> pumping out projectiles at an obscene speed. It just feels so good. Just everything melts. And uh, yeah, um, Doom Eternal is very good because you go fast and you shoot a gun. Yeah, uh, there's not a lot of games I, that do that. <laughs> there's not a lot of games. I mean, really, what what else could you say that it does that uh, except for Dusk, which we talked about earlier this year, and it's True. very good. Um, so let's see. Next on my list is Tonight We Riot. Uh, I don't know if you. I don't think I've heard of this game. So Tonight We Riot is an arcadey. It's it's meant to be a co-op thing, but unfortunately I had to play it alone. Um, it is. Do you know? Are you familiar with Means TV? No, I don't think Means so. Means TV. I I would highly recommend Means TV to just about anyone because it is a it is an independently funded. Uh, the 
I say leftist in quotes, leftist and like as many quotes as I can say, uh, TV network where they are like, uh, hey, wouldn't it be nice to have like a kind of like a place to do entertainment that wasn't tied up in like getting we- uh, Harvey Weinstein's money? What if we did that? <laughs> so uh, they, it's a place you can subscribe to for like 15 or 10 bucks a month or something and you get like a a news show a bunch of movies documentaries stuff like that and they're like hey we're making a game and i'm like oh shit really like that's uh, that's yeah that's odd i wasn't expecting that it is a um four player pixel beat-em-up isn't the right word but it's got the same perspective as one uh it's like it's like an action game where it's like all right uh, a very small riot starts at one point of the city and then just just like Every cop in the country is coming after you. Every cop, every Pinkerton, every security guard, every like executive, <laughs> and and just like the theming is very great. It definitely gets your blood pumping. It's like, yeah, I'm willing to do this. As a game, it's not my favorite version of this kind of thing, but it's got the theming perfect. It's got a little Mario, uh, Super Mario Bros. three style world map that you go to to go in between stages, and. Um, one of the better Molotov cocktails in a game Ooh, I've ever played, cool. uh, which is which I would say is a is a big positive. And this game is this game is very it's cheap and it's short and it's fun and I, I liked it quite a bit. It's not my favorite thing that came out this year, but I want to you know if something that gets that's smaller that gets made that's like a little different than stuff that usually comes out, I I want to shout out. Absolutely. Um, oh, let's see where should I go next here um i'll shout out uh amnesia rebirth i played that mm. back in i was October. surprised to see you playing this i i didn't i didn't know that uh this was going to be something that you got you got into yeah i'm i'm a big fan of uh frictional games i think that they like i, I like the original amnesia and i like soma a lot uh they're interesting horror games i generally like a more mechanical horror game i like being able to shoot at the things that scare that are scaring me but these games just do that kind of like a pursuit based, uh, you know, hide from the monster mm. type of horror really well. And it, this was an interesting one. I, I, I liked a lot of the story stuff. I liked the new environments. Your um, the setup for Amnesia Rebirth is that you are a um, you're a woman who uh, survives a plane crash uh, and you don't really remember what's going on because it's an amnesia game. Uh, but you're also uh, very pregnant, and you get much more pregnant as the game goes on, uh, unnaturally oh. so. <laughs> oh, oh, that's that's really cool. Well, that's <laughs> yeah, a body and... horror thing you you see explored in like books and films a lot. But I've never ever, I can't think of a single game where you play as somebody who's pregnant, except and, maybe Yoshi, if that counts. Um, in order to, because uh, these games have like a sanity thing, you know, you have to. Um, manage your matches and your lantern oil so that you can stay in the light because you will go insane if you stay in the dark for too long. Uh, and they tone that down in this game. It's a lot more forgiving. Uh, in the original Amnesia, you really needed to manage the resources a little more. This game, it's more just so you don't see the bugs crawling on the corners of your screen or whatever. Uh, but uh, the way that you can calm down is by rubbing your baby. And it feels like it, it, oh. Death Stranding also did this. Uh, but the baby was different. not in your stomach. It <laughs> Very was different. Your, it was on your stomach. Uh, but uh, it was nice to have that kind of like calm down mechanic reflected in this way that it, in a horror game. Um, your kind, you, your plane crashes in like the uh, in the desert. I believe it's in Africa. I'm not 100 percent on that. Uh, I don't remember. 
but uh, you can you kind of explore caves and uh, up on the surface uh, and through some ruins of like a colonial empire that had fallen or whatever. Uh, and you kind of it kind of unravels from there story wise. I, I don't 100% love what they did with the ending, but I think that getting to explore the the best part of the game is getting to explore these like bombed out colonial ruins and you have to uh, there's a broken tank and you have to mm. find all the pieces to shoot a shell to bust down the gate to continue the game. Uh, okay, all of that yeah. stuff was so cool. Uh, this game doesn't do a ton new for Amnesia. I think like post Soma, they could have done a bigger swing. Uh, so I'm not. I don't really know why they returned to Amnesia, uh, but it's still it was still a damn fun video game. Uh, some good scares and some really fun level design. I was into it. Yeah. No. That sounds. Uh, you what. I had kind of written it off as something like, I'm like, ah, I probably wouldn't enjoy that, even though I like horror games. But uh, you describing it in that way does uh, make me think that it could be pretty fun. Yeah, it was a good time. Go ahead. All right, yeah, what do I have next on my list? All right, so next I have uh, Kirby Fighters 2, which is, um, it, they. it's a little, like, so Kirby Fighters 1 is... I, I am a big fan of Kirby games. It does not come up very often on the show. Uh, <laughs> I None of them are like my favorite of all time or anything, but they've got a very good consistency in terms of like uh, coming out every couple of years and never being bad. This is one of the first ones I would say was a disappointment where it's <laughs> like... Um, okay, but this also I think could entirely be changed by... Uh, whether or not I was living with Cam at the time. I think if, maybe if I, Cam was in the house when this game had come out, that might have been a completely different story. Because having someone to sit next to and just being like, uh, yeah, I'll fucking own you in this uh, this uh, made-in-a-month Kirby fighting game. And it's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so so this like, is a, a fighting spinoff? Yeah, it's like... Um, okay. It's... it's uh, it's like Smash Brothers in that the jumping is still plays like Kirby, right? Like, okay. you move Kirby around the same way you move Kirby around in the mainline Kirby games where you have the jump, you have the float, you, uh, you, you have the same weight to you, which is not much at all. Uh, and, uh, uh, all the characters of any fighting game is, you know, where it matters. And, uh, in this game, your character is the different powers that Kirby can get. So it's like, all oh, right, I'm okay. going to play as sword Kirby and you're going to play as whip Kirby and we're going to fight. Oh, uh, or you're going to play as mirror Kirby and I'm going to play as hammer Kirby. Can you or somebody's be play as Kirby? Uh, unfortunately, no, but they do pick some of the weirder ones in there. I believe, um, oh, uh, Jet is one of the options, and Jet is huh. a little, controls cool. a little weird and has different options. Like, uh, they're, the, the big missed opportunity for me in this game is that this game is clearly based off of the Kirby Star Allies asset set, which is, like, was made two years ago, came out in, like, 2018, I think. Uh, great game. I, I, I liked that Kirby game a lot. Um, but if you're gonna rip the assets from that they did a dlc for that where it's like every kirby character who was ever in a supporting role or a main villain role in another game was eventually playable in star allies and in this game it's pretty much only kirby's and meta knight and ddd and that's huh. a huge disappointment to me because i want to play as that little shit marks the one with the jester hat with <laughs> well, yeah, especially who opens if they up had a black the hole. assets yeah they have all that stuff around and these models don't look any different they had a full move set just out there waiting and it's a, that's very disappointing. The other thing is that this game has a really, really long fucking arcade mode, which is 
good in some ways because it means I can play it if I don't have anyone else around. But to unlock King Dedede, the best character in all of fiction, I have to go through <laughs> 50 stages in a row without dying, which is bullshit. Oh, man. Why? Why do I have to do that? That's too long for any arcade mode stage. It's too long for any endurance test in a fighting game. And also, because it's Nintendo, the netcode is total dog shit, so I can't play anyone online. So, like, <laughs> the, the game itself is fine. The mechanics are good. The stages are nice. The music is very good. Uh, it's just that the roster is disappointing, and the things that would make it better for me are not there this year. It, but it was cheap. Like it was like it was like not even ten bucks. I don't think. So I was like, what what am I missing out on yeah. here? Like what do I what do I really expect out of this? I have impossibly high standards for this Kirby fighting game to meet. Uh, <laughs> so your turn. What do you what do you got? Um, uh, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out a little bit of uh, Destiny Two. Uh, I oh I yeah. Back, um, I got back into this this year. This is shout outs to Cam the one as game well, Cam who plays. has been playing. Yeah, this is the one game Cam plays, and I know he's been getting a lot out of this this year. Yeah, I kind of I had gotten back into this a little bit before this update dropped. They dropped um, Beyond Light this year, which is their big expansion that takes you to uh, Europa, uh, and it's very icy, very snowy, which w mm -hmm. was fitting for the winter. Um, but before they dropped this, they uh, vaulted uh, air quotes a lot of their existing content to retool it for uh, the versions that are going to be on the new systems. Uh, so they got rid of about half of the planets and half of the content in the video game, uh, which was an interesting move that generally, as someone who kind of dabbles in Destiny, I played a lot of it this year, but uh, I hadn't, I played about 50 hours before that. So I, mm. you know, you know, for Destiny, that's not a lot. Uh, but I, I was really into just not having all of that baggage, <laughs> uh, just not having access to all of that, you know, years of legacy content just made it so much easier to have the like four quests that I want to do actually visible uh, and able to be done. Uh, and that was something like, cause a, lo a lot of people were are a little bit bent out of shape by them just getting rid of a lot of the game, uh, you know, just nuking the previous it. like world, like, you know, yeah. it's like people were playing inside this space for so many, at this point years. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, we're going to, we want to retool this or we want to make sure it's not a hundred gig install for a new player. So we got to redo this. Yeah. And uh, it, it, that, that, you know, getting into destiny two, when I did, uh, when it went free to play uh, and came out on steam, uh, it was just a big rat's nest of a lot of stuff that I just never bothered to even understand. For someone who likes a lot about the aesthetic and has people that, you know, some uh, you and Cam and George are playing this all the time. So if, it's not like I would ever be lacking for people to play it with, but it just seems so impenetrable yes. to, to start to get into this. And they've really paired a lot of that back in a way that has been satisfying for me. Uh, you know, somebody who's not, who hasn't been playing this since the game came out. Uh, it, it's like, okay, here are the five quests I can do right now, and I'm gonna just going to do these. And uh, it has been great. I've had a lot of fun. The campaign on Beyond Light was a little, a little slight. Like, I don't really care about the story stuff in this game. Uh, and there's there's some of that. There's some interesting stuff on that, but like I'm not the person to talk to about that. Uh, they added a bunch of cool guns. Uh, I just got one that uh, when a sniper rifle that when you headshot someone, it makes a lightning storm near them. Uh, and uh, I got some insane multi kills and PvP with that. Uh, 
it's just super fun. I'm looking forward to them rolling out some more stuff. The new season drops in a month or so. So uh, I'll be continuing to play this. And I, I didn't really expect that because coming off of Destiny 2, the first time I had tried it, I was like, all right, yeah, I don't need to play this anymore. But I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of back in. They got their hooks. So, um, yeah. Yeah, no, fun. that's I'm, that sounds great. I got to say, I love the look of all the new stuff they've been adding. Uh, yeah, Cam showed uh, me some of it the last time I saw him. And uh, it was, I, I got to really have to shout out the, uh, the designers, the artists working on Destiny for making a world that is so consistent where you have to draw 12 new guns five times a year and make them universally consistent and still all unique. And like all that stuff and all the outfits and all the planets and everything, like every environment, uh, yeah, it's uh, really... Europa looks really nice. I, I, yeah, I, I kind of glossed over it, but like the, what isn't there in the story, I think that, that that zone is really good, and they have a lot of stuff that you do there. Like most of the quests are there because it's you know the nicest, shiniest, newest planet that they have. But it looks great. They have like dynamic weather. You can get like a big blizzard sometimes when you're just fighting, and it's it looks great. It's really mm. cool. Uh. All right. So next on my list uh, was Hades, but we talked a lot about that already. Uh, yeah, I would like go to see our I, episode. I mostly I, I feel the same it, way about it. <laughs> yeah, I played it a little more after uh, we finished that episode, uh, and um, I find that I don't have it in me to complete the game where it's like complete, uh, like every single thing is done. But I I got you know. 30 40 hours out of it what do you want from me it was a really good game and it's everyone everything that everyone says about it is true uh, so don't worry about it like if you think it sounds good you're gonna have a good time with that game and uh a super giant is of course like remaining undefeated in terms of like uh, yeah their, uh, possibly their they're possibly my favorite of their games like i yeah you know they haven't been coasting i think you no, know, even for a studio that makes um, amazing games i don't know if it surpasses pyre for me personally mm -hmm. but Pyre is also very hard to recommend, whereas this game is the easiest game to recommend in the universe. Yeah, this is the perfect on-ramp to any kind of run-based, like, roguelike mm. game. Because My coworker plays, like, three games a year, and I told him that I was enjoying Hades, and he got it on a Switch, and he has gotten more addicted to it than I have. <laughs> like, he... Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, I it's no big deal. I only put 50 hours into Hades since the last time you talked to me about it. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, at the same time, I, I understand it. Like, you know, I, I get it because I also really like that game. But it's just, it, it turned out really good. Yeah. It's, if Hades is the game of the year for people, nobody is surprised about it. It's Seb's game of the year. I get it. Like, I, it's, I, yeah, absolutely. it surprises it, no it, one. It's it so, it's top, quality it is topped so a couple obvious. lists. And yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, sure, of course. It, yeah, it's exactly. an expected pick, but I like it there more than I'd like Last of Us 2 there or yeah. any of the big um, fuck I roll my AAA eyes games. when somebody says that uh, Last of Us 2 was their game of the year, but. With Hades, it's like it's it's an answer that's not a surprise, but also doesn't feel like you don't. It doesn't make you go like, oh god, for real, I'm gonna have to look at this. For <laughs> yeah, it's not six it's not years. overrated for how much yeah. people have said it's very good. Uh, and sometimes when you see something on it as a, as the quote game of the year on somebody's list, you're like, oh, this people are gonna learn some real bad lessons from this. <laughs> like <laughs> like the, the games that I have to play for the next uh, you know five years are gonna be real bad because of this. Like when um. Like I, the things that were happening with Last of Us in in 2014 or whatever, while people were calling it, this is the next Ocarina of Time or whatever. I'm like, man, games are going to be really bad in the next five <laughs> years because of this, and uh, I don't want to, I don't want to make any uh, too 
bold claims, but I, I think that that has history has proven that take correct. Where, uh, <laughs> every every game now has to have a sad dad in it. That's right. People learn some interesting lessons from games. Right. Um, but uh, Hades is yes. very good. Hades is very good. Yes, <laughs> I like it quite a bit. Uh, shout out to Supergiant, of course, great game. Uh, but the thing, next thing on my list is Panzer Paladin, which I briefly shouted out at the beginning. Uh, I am a person who loves their retro style platformer stuff. I am a sucker for that sort of thing. Um, but I don't need it to be exactly the way it was in the old days, you know? Like, I don't need it to be play exactly like Mega Man 2 or Castlevania or uh, Ninja Gaiden. And this is like, this feels like it could have been a late era NES game, you know? Like, it's it's got a unique enough mechanic that it works and it's you are you play as a you know a blue-haired uh, 80s style anime girl and that's very important because if i say anime girl it conjures up an image in my mind that you don't want it's it's an 80s style anime girl the one who looks like she could be a <laughs> bubblegum crisis and you play as her and she's in a, a mech that kind of talks in the same way that like the uh, the titanfall 2 one talks to you where it's like it's not doesn't have very much of a personality but it's still a companion mm-hmm. And uh, you are in this robot. The robot's not extremely powerful on its own, but every time you kill an enemy, the enemy drops their weapon. And you can pick up the enemy's weapon. So uh, it can be a sword or a club or a spear or, or whatever. And they all have a different ability where you can hold R to break that weapon and use the ability, which could be defense up or a heal or uh, a burst or, a, or like a, a spell that uh, activates thunder or whatever. So it's um, kind of like a trade-off. You're yeah, your yeah. Gun, uh, it, they'll they'll break over time anyway, but because you're constantly killing enemies, you're unlikely to run out of weapons. But the more weapons you have in your inventory, the harder the game gets. So it like gets, huh. it kind of it scales itself to you, and it encourages you to break or use them because it's like, you know, you don't want the game to get like super jacked up in difficulty just because you're hoarding all these weapons. And every time you kill a boss, the boss weapon is really good but it adds a lot to, I'm just going to say your equip load. That's not what it's actually called, but uh, like your, the amount of the, the amount of power you have on you at one time gets counted and then factored into how hard the cha- the like enemies right, are yeah, going forward. The dynamic difficulty so it, it's, it's unique enough. It's uh, this is a game that I wasn't expecting to like as much as I did. It's, it's, uh, it's great. Like it's, it's a yeah, good game. That it's, sounds like uh, a great the, gimmick. Um, it's a, it's a the gimmick that I think, like I think that I don't want them to make a sequel to this game, but I think that if they did, they could get another one out of this. Also, you're not fighting robots; you're fighting like monsters and mythological creatures. Ooh, and every cool. stage, every Mega Man style stage, is a different country. So you go to Egypt and you fight Anubis, and you go to uh, you go to the U.S. and you fight a, a succubus, and you go to <laughs> Canada and you fight a, a weird. Uh, you you're supposed to fight a Wendigo, but then a centaur cuts him in half, and you have to fight the centaur. But like it, it's a, it's a good game. I, I think this is this was really good, and I, I enjoyed it a lot. It was another thing that just kind of gelled well with me. Uh, so that's uh, Panzer Paladin. Uh, pretty cool. cheap. It's on Switch. Go check it out. Uh, what's uh, what's your next one? Um, I think I'm gonna shout out the uh, Minecraft Nether update. Uh, yeah, I want to hear a, about this. That was another uh, kind of update patch thing that dropped this year. Um, this was big for me. This is like the year I've gotten the biggest back into Minecraft since, you know, probably like 2014 or so when I played it a lot more consistently. Um, we talked about Minecraft on a, a previous episode. Uh, but In it was... which I reveal how little I have played Minecraft since the <laughs> alpha days. Yes. And uh, it's 
a game that I really love, and we talked about it in a little bit of the first segment, it's one of the games I have possibly played the most. I've, I've done so much with this game. Uh, but I you know, haven't played it a ton in the last couple of years, so I've missed out on a lot of the updates they've done recently. Uh, and this one was a good excuse to get back into it. I got a couple of friends together and I said, let's, you know, let's do a server. Uh, and, you know, we all hopped on multiplayer. We all planned out like our world, you know, what we wanted to do. Um, and we just had a ton of fun with it. The, the update that they dropped this year introduced a lot of new stuff for the nether, which is kind of the hell dimension. It's a, the, uh, you build a portal with uh, obsidian, a, a, a material that's a little bit later game to try and get and uh you go through the portal and you're basically in uh lava hell uh but they added a bunch of different biomes to that now so now there's different mm. flavors of hell uh, that's very cool this is something that's way long overdue because the nether has been the same for so long like since they added it uh years and years and years of kind of very similar terrain no matter where you go so it wasn't really worthwhile to explore the nether now they added a bunch of structures that you can find. There's these things called bastions, which uh, spawn a hostile pigmen and have really high tier rewards. There's um, four different biomes that you can find. There's the normal nether. Uh, there is the uh, soul sand valley, which is like a, it, it has a different kind of haze over it. And it's uh, uh, filled with sand that slows you down when you walk on it. Uh, and a bunch of different mobs spawn there. There's... No, this um, this sounds great. Like, uh, it's every time somebody has described a Minecraft up to me, I feel different shades of kind of uh, like horror and uh, like like curiosity. Where I'm like, uh, I'm like, oh well, the the game was already done, even though it obviously wasn't the last time I played it. Uh, they, oh, the game was done. Like, what <laughs> what else could you possibly need? Minecraft was, you know, it's this infinite possibility space. Why do you need more shit in Minecraft? And then they tell me, like, oh, well, you know, yeah, you, this has, like, one-time use wings that drop from a specific monster. I'm like, oh, that, that sounds actually really cool. Well, uh, the different flavors of the nether. I'm like, oh, that's that also sounds very good. Yeah, Every it's... time... Uh, yeah, Cam, also, Cam had a quote in our Minecraft episode where he's like, every time I find out there's a new animal in Minecraft, I lose my shit. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I get that. I totally understand that. Yeah, it's one of those things that, like, because they keep updating this game, there's a lot of stuff that I'm like, well, oh, you know, that's not the part of the game that I play, you know, whatever. There are uh, but very there... different ways to play this game. Yeah, um, and there's a lot of stuff that it's it just makes the experience of playing it more varied and fun. And that's kind of what this Nether update did. Um, now there's so much more to think about when you poke your poke your portal into the nether because if you end up in one of these crazy new biomes you're like oh shit this is a basalt delta that means that there's <laughs> a bunch of very hard rock that's very hard to navigate big mm -hmm. pillars with lava uh things that you can fall into um or if you poke out into a um a oh fuck uh one of the two forest biomes uh, they have uh, nether wart trees, which are these like different versions with wood that you can get that doesn't burn, uh, but they're a lot less populated, so they're a little bit safer. Uh, it's it just adds so much more to the nether. It was just so fun to explore this new environment and hop on a server with my buddies and do all of this all over again. <laughs> you know, every three or four or five years we do this and. You know, it's just fun because Minecraft is fun. But mm, exactly, uh, it it just works. Yeah. So this is great. I had to shout out that shout that out because no, I'm, uh, I'm glad you Minecraft did. I, I don't, I don't do a lot of returning to continuing games outside of fighting games, and 
Uh, I don't really have a ton to say about the Mortal Kombat update this year because I didn't really return to it. If I was still going to a place every week to play fighting games, I would have a lot of opinions about RoboCop being in Mortal Kombat, but I haven't been, so I don't. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's nice to, to hear like you talk about Destiny and Minecraft in like this way of, uh, oh, well, you know, you come back to this and enjoy it with different yeah, people, it, and it, the game has changed in these ways, and I, I like hearing that. It definitely you know? has been my year, like overall, of comfort food stuff, like, mm. you know, this year has been tough for a lot of reasons, but like oh, yeah. uh, being able to fall back into a game I know as well as Minecraft and have new stuff there to do is just so fun. It was exactly what I needed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, next on my list is Streets of Rage 4, which is the game even existing is a complete miracle. Yeah. Because when was the last was Streets not... of Rage? <laughs> oh, God, 90. Four? No. 93? <laughs> Maybe? I don't know. It was back when arcades still existed. Um, so Streets of Rage, if you are not old or you don't care about old things, was a, is an old Sega beat-em-up franchise uh, where you know you put quarters in and the game would steal them from you by uh, p- putting a very hard policeman in front of you who would beat you up. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the, the music is incredible. If you don't uh, even like game soundtracks, go listen to the Streets of Rage 2 and 3 soundtracks. They are uh, some of the best in the business. And uh, it's, it's just a very... Those games were very well done. They were the best... Sega, they were the best uh, beat-em-ups that were ever made, I think, in that style. Because I don't even like beat-em-ups that much. I was more of a, if I was in an arcade, I was going to go to a fighting game. But Streets Mm. of Rage is better than Final Fight. It's better than the uh, licensed X-Men stuff. It's better than Simpsons and Turtles in Time and all the other side-scrolling beat-em-up stuff. It just controls better. It works better. It's it's more fun. Um, But... uh, I had only ever played Streets of Rage 2 all the way through on like a, some Genesis collection thing that came out and doesn't work on Steam anymore. Um, but uh, it's Streets of Rage 4 is made by people who really love those games, and you can tell. And they got the license from Sega. They like, uh, and they're kind of doing it themselves. It's uh, cool. .mu helped them make it, and it's just a small team who's like, we're gonna make a sequel to the old Streets of Rage games that plays really, really well. And it, it's 2D hand animated, but not oh, wow. in a way that like a, not in a way that um, like a Cuphead is, where it's trying to be like a cartoon. It's more like, well, we're not trying to have a retro style. This isn't like a sprite game, but it's still going to move like that. So we need to just draw every frame, you know. And there aren't a ton of frames for everyone, so it's not as insane as doing that with like Skullgirls or Indivisible. Um, and. Uh, it's just like you have the old characters uh, Axel from the first three games has gotten a little older and fatter and uh, he's got like a, a blonde uh, blonde beard and uh, just the way the way this works is that you have your regular like punches and kicks and jump attacks and everything but you also have you press one of your other buttons to do a special move and that special move costs a little bit of your health but it's green health so if you keep the combo going you earn it right back ah, so <laughs> yeah exactly well if you get hit, that goes away. But if you uh, if you get hit again after doing a special move, it goes away. Like you, okay. you lose it permanently until you find a healing item. Uh, okay. Uh, but if you are good at the game, you can use these special moves that make you invincible while you do them and attack a bunch of people at once. You can use them over and over again as long as you trust yourself to keep that combo going. It's like keep keep adding more balls into a juggling act where it's like, oh, I am I am really trying to keep this going. Because if I get hit, 
I'm going to lose a lot of health. But if I keep this going, I get a massive score. I get uh, one-ups. I get all my health back. Uh, and uh, your score contributes to a, like a big meter at the end of the level that un unlocks new characters. Oh, and, yeah. So um, you want to get a good all, score. Yeah. So you want to get a good score. I mean, I like being uh, graded in games anyway, but yes. having it be tied to the unlocks of the characters. And one, the unlocking characters is great because the five playable characters in this game are excellent on their own. But all the unlockable characters are just every version of the old game's characters. So Streets of Rage 1's three characters, Streets of Rage 2's four characters, Streets of Rage 3's four characters, all unlockable in this game. So I'm like, oh, I got to unlock Max from Streets of Rage 2, the big wrestler guy. I got to get him. So I got to keep going. And I really liked Floyd, who is the new one of the new characters they uh, introduced, who kind of looks like uh, Jax in the, that he's a... Uh, shirtless guy with two robot arms nice but uh he can like shoot out his arm to grab people and to beat him up from farther away and then Ooh, bring cool. them to him which is great it's it's this game was so much fun that i don't i don't even really like beat em ups that much but i think that this was an incredibly good game it scratched the kind of fighting game itch for me in terms of like building up a super long combo and uh having fun uh, i think it, the the final boss is kind of weak but other than that i don't i don't know that i could complain about this game it was just a really really good arcade style experience that i i liked a lot nice yeah uh yeah that sounds fun i'm not usually a beat-em-up guy but it's on my list i yeah. think it's on xbox game pass so i might just try oh it out. yeah i think it is it's yeah. yeah it's worth a shot i think um uh, try all the characters if you can just because they play differently from each other like it's i mm -hmm. i like floyd a lot but he's big and slow and uh there's um uh, Cherry Hunter, one of the other new characters, is like a, a kid who every attack they do moves them around. Oh, so like okay. they they're kind of like more frantic than the other characters. I think that that's uh, makes the game a lot more fun. Cool. Yeah, that might be on my list. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see. Where should I go next? Uh, I'm gonna mention Carrion. I played that a couple oh, days yeah. ago. Actually, I, I didn't I didn't try this out, but I've heard people talking about it, and it seems pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I mentioned Xbox Game Pass, and that. Like, I re-upped that um, right before Cyberpunk came out because I wanted something to mess around with. Uh, and it's just such a nice service for trying out little games like this that, you know, maybe I wouldn't have dropped full price on, but I'm glad that I played and really enjoyed. Um, this is basically, I think in the marketing, they call it a uh, reverse horror game, which mm -hmm. is a fun way, to, a fun thing to say. But uh, basically, you play as the monster in a monster movie. You are, it's... Uh, Metroidvania, uh, where you're exploring a facility that you broke out of. Uh, you're a big blobby flesh monster um, mm. with a bunch of tendrils, and uh, you have to break out. Big it, dripping flesh monster. Yeah. It's very uh, good. And some really good uh, pixelated gore, some really good gross, gross out pixel stuff. Um, this game is very fun. I It's to play something that moves like this uh, you basically have complete freedom on the map you don't there's no like jumping you just move your control stick and you slither there however you can <laughs> uh, and That's the animation great. on it looks so cool but you're really just going up left or whatever but you, you do have all the things that shoot out and you're climbing around in vents uh hunting dudes and it's a little stealthy because you die to a couple bullets um but being able to uh on the at least on the controller controls um your right stick controls uh your kind of one tendril that you can grab people with you grab things or people so you can kind of just camp out an event move your arm around grab somebody and yank them back up in there 
Uh, and it's just so fun to, you know, hear the little pixel dude scream and you, as you munch down on him uh, and you regain health and uh, can keep going. Um, it's a Metroidvania, so you're exploring this facility uh, and you're getting new powers and all of the powers are so fun. Um, they're, a, a lot of them are tied to a specific um, amount of uh, biomass. It's kind of like you have a couple pips on your health bar. Um, so the more biomass you have, you unlock new uh, new powers and new stuff to do. But for some puzzles and for some combat encounters, you have to uh, reduce yourself. You have to become a smaller guy because only the smaller guy can shoot a web, for instance, uh, that you can use to flip switches through grates or grab dudes um, that you can't reach. Uh, so you have to you have to find these little spots, these little red colored water where you can drop off like half of your guy to go slither out and do an objective and then come back. It's some really fun puzzle design. I liked it more than the combat, even though the combat was very fun. It's just really interesting to have to think through these environments, use your combination of abilities to try to get to uh, the exit. You know, you have to get out of the facility. It felt very inside, like the ending of that game when you're a big blob. Uh, spoilers. But uh, it was just really fun. It was like a really quick four hours and really I, oh that's um that that uh really endears me to the game more because as the footage i saw seemed interesting looked pretty good but i just wasn't kind of grabbed by it but you telling me that it's over in four hours i'm like oh i could do that yeah i played it in like two sittings like over a day it was it was really really quick really breezy um the one thing that i have mentioned or that a couple of people have mentioned being a criticism is that there is no map so if you do get lost, it's a little bit hard to find your way back because mm. a lot of this environment looks samey. Um, there are different biomes and stuff, but it's a little bit hard to get back on track if you don't know where you're going. Uh, I didn't really get lost because I kind of played it in one sitting. But if you came back to it, I could imagine just not having any idea where you are, where you are. Oh yeah. Um, but it was very fun. If you have Game Pass or you uh, want to pick it up on Switch, it's a blast. All right, so uh, it's back to me. Um, this one's going to be a longer one because I have a lot of uh, feelings on this. Uh, 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. All right. Which, uh, this just, is on my list. I definitely want to yeah, get to it. Yeah, so, and uh, because of uh, an instance of me acting like Squidward earlier today, I promise I will get it to you. I just have to go get another copy. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, this game, right, so Vanillaware is a company that I have ignored for a long time, even though I know they are good. Uh, they make these beautiful watercolor games. Uh, where everything it looks so visual they look their games look so visually unique beyond anything else that um uh, i've i've seen you know they don't these games don't look like anything else they they look gorgeous they they look painted and um they are mostly like they, they've mostly done kind of action games they did dragon's crown which was a co-op beat-em-up or that was like a dungeons and dragons style thing they did uh, Odin Sphere, which was an rpg where you played as uh, multiple characters with different storylines that kind of intersected over time uh, they did Grim Grimoire, which was a weird tower defense game where you're playing huh. as like a, a wizard academy and you have to send like fairies and golems out to people. But it's like a console art uh, tower defense game. So weird. Like, yeah, you don't have like a mouse. I, I want to track that game down eventually for PS2. But I, I everything I've seen about it just seems so strange. Like it seems like a game that's obviously built for PC, but it's only on PS2. <laughs> uh, so... Anyway, that's the history before this. They announced uh, earlier this year or last year that they're like, hey, we got a new project. 
it's a giant robot game. I'm like, oh great, I love giant robot games. I'll play this. <laughs> Perfect, um, that's for me. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll play it when it, I'll play it when it comes out. And it came out this year, and it has the the stupidest title uh, uh, I think of anything that came out this year. Thirteen uh, Sentinels: mm-hmm. Aegis Rim is a very bad title, and um, it's it's doesn't help. You know, if they, maybe if they had just called it Thirteen Sentinels, I think that would have done the trick. It would have got yeah. it across fine. Because what that is, title is trying to tell you is that there are thirteen playable characters in this game. Now, for a, a strategy game that like this is, a strategy tower defense game, that's not that many. But where every unit counts because they all have their own unique personality and interactions. Uh, so you care about every single one of those 13 characters, which is hard to do. 13 main characters is a lot. 13 main characters is too many. But yeah, and it, it's it all, works. It feeds into, like, there's, there's like a visual novel element, right? You're, right, you're, right, right. These right. characters have kind of a, a story that you're mm-hmm. fleshing out as you play. So this game uh, starts you off and you're, uh, you know, uh, following one character, Juro Karabe, and like he's like kind of a, a nerdy like science fiction movie guy. Like the, this game has multiple timelines it takes place in, but the first one you're in is the 1980s. So uh, you're in the 1980s in Japan and it's a kid who likes sci-fi movies and video games and uh, he gets kind of wrapped up in the giant robot thing in his timeline and then immediately the next cut is like okay it's it's 1944 and the and uh and so uh this this is the other guy who one of the other guys is getting wrapped up in the giant robot thing he just saw someone time travel but he's a world war ii soldier and has no idea what that was he thinks the person who time traveled was an american spy so he's after them and like that's the first two prologues and there's they have 11 other ones to get to and every prologue is so good at kind of hooking you into this character has an insane sci-fi story they're going to get to. And you know that at the end of their story, all 13 of these characters are going to end up in the same place fighting off this uh, insane robot menace called the Deimos, uh, uh, which is like, you know, the the kind of uh, enemy in this tower defense uh, RTS style gameplay where you're moving the Sentinels around the map. And I wish the, the, the game is so gorgeous in so many ways. And then the way it represents the uh, RTS stuff on the map is like a bunch of blue lights. Like you're looking at it from a command screen and like the war yeah, room Doctor Strange that, lab or whatever. That was the thing that like didn't... Yeah. That, that, that put me off when I like yeah. was first looking I, into this. I was so mad about that at first. And then by the time I was like an hour and a half into the game, I lo- already loved the game so much I didn't care anymore. Like yeah. it was... It's, it's crazy because you feel like they're wasting these incredible robot designs because you don't see them all the time. But then when they do show up in the visual novel segment, you're like, oh my God, I forgot they looked like that. Holy <laughs> shit. Um, so the story in this is seems so interesting like that's the one yes. thing that i've seen people really mention is like how one, weird and a chronological it is yeah. one of my favorite images about this game that makes me laugh is that somebody uh was like hey uh my discord's talking about 13 sentinels aegis rim and it's a whole page of eight different users talking and everything is in spoiler text you can't read anything, <laughs> <laughs> anything. it's like well Saying some characters' names is a spoiler. Saying that uh, what timeline somebody's from is a spoiler. Yeah. Saying, uh, saying oh, they're which, related. Or, yeah, yeah, or, or, oh, yeah. saying yeah. what Spielberg reference is going to happen next in this story is a spoiler. Because, no, <laughs> um, uh, But this is very influenced by uh, American pop culture and science fiction in a way that is endearing and also unique. Because like these characters have seen E.T. and they'll go, oh, this is just like E.T., but they're wrong (laughs) because you know from playing an earlier uh, chapter that they're just misinterpreting the situation they're in and that they should really be more careful about that little alien they're carrying around. (laughs) And uh, like all all these things tie together in a way that I love. 
and it's a vanillaware game and if you've never played or looked at one of those it's a little horny at times they get a, they are good about it for the most part because a lot of the ca- characters are students you know they're they're younger people all the all the main characters and then you look at the the school nurse who is like sort of maybe a spy without going into it too much and the school nurse is like the most fan servicey big titty oh, character boy. in the universe <laughs> and it's like all right you you gotta so, get yeah past there's that, a degree at least, yeah yeah exactly you gotta there's got there's a little bit that you have to be able to stomach to handle it uh but at the same time this game was was great and it does a unique or or even if it's not unique it does a fun sci-fi story every 10 minutes and one of those would be enough for me to like recommend it but having a new one every five seconds of like oh this this part is about uh you know uh, invincible terminator robots rising from the ground and this part is about what if uh you being too into mechagodzilla accidentally made him real and this part (laughs) is about what if et was evil and this part is about what if you just thought et was evil but he was actually fine and this part is about what if you lost your memory and you woke up next to somebody that you're reasonably sure you killed and like all this (laughs) stuff happens back to back to back to back to back and then you go and play the tower defense stuff and it's still good like that the action yeah. part of the game is still huh. good. I would recommend cranking up the difficulty, though, because it's a little e- on the easy side. Yeah, that's um, um But, yeah, this game, this is maybe my favorite of the year. Yeah. Like, I'm definitely uh, going to play this. I'm yeah, discounting, really discounting Hades. Like, Hades is, of course, incredible and well done. But this one was the one that I wasn't really... I wasn't ready for how much I was going to like it. Like, I think that this was this was something really special. So, 13 Sentinels, Aegis Rim. Annoying uh, title. Uh, go look it up. If it sounds like something you can stomach, I would really love more people to go try it. I think that it's a great game. Excellent. Um, do you mind if we take a break for a second? I just oh, not at all. Up. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, we'll be back <sighs> after my... this brief break. there and welcome to the break of our game of the year 2020 episode i hope that you have been enjoying it so far i just wanted to shout out a couple of extra things mentioned by some people who are very important to the show of course uh first of all that's uh, i wanted to bring up something that seb said uh seb was talking about ori and the will of the wisps the sequel so uh seb says finished Ori, I would have gotten 100% if I got all the shard upgrades, but I didn't feel like farming money. I 100%ed all the maps, health, and energy, and spirit light. Uh, I didn't want to stop playing to go to bed, but I had to wake up and go to my parents' house. The movement is still amazing like the first one. Uh, Got back into the flow of it pretty fast. Seems like it's going to be much longer than the first, but I'm not complaining. Uh, I like Moki. I will save their tree town. I will collect every seed in Ori. And you know what? That sounds like a pretty good review to me. I still haven't gotten around to the Ori games, but I feel like I'm going to get to it eventually. Uh, thank you, Seth. And then I wanted to shout out Emily of the show... En- <sighs> Enemy of the show Emily. I've been doing that for, at this point, years. Uh, who br- gave me a three-word review of Paper Mario and the Origami King that I wanted to share with everyone because uh, neither no one else played it to uh, get the word out there, which is, don't play it. So this has been the... Uh, break of the game of the year 2020 episode i hope you enjoy the rest of it 
And I thank you for sticking with us throughout all of 2020. And I hope we can give you a lot more good episodes in the coming year. So happy 2021 and enjoy the rest of the show. Let me know when you're ready and we'll jump back in. Oh, yeah. Uh, so last one was mine, right? With 13 Sentinels. So, yep. so you're up. All right. Um, so I, I played a couple um, kind of multiplayer uh, things that I want to shout out. I, I think mm-hmm. I'm going to start with, with Among Us. This was a big thing oh, yeah. this year. Um, a big thing that I didn't exactly expect to get into. Um, I hadn't really played, or, you know, I got kind of got into this like maybe a month or so after everyone was talking about it. I managed to dodge this somehow. <laughs> and I, I've always liked this kind of like um, secret imposter kind of game. Um, I really like Trouble in Terrorist Town, which is kind of the Gary's Mod version of this with, you know, Counter-Strike assets where you shoot the terrorists uh, instead of, uh, <laughs> and they shoot you instead of, uh, you know, voting them off or whatever. Mm. Uh, but this was a game that I'd played. Uh, so starting with, uh, you know, when COVID happened, um, me and a couple of my high school friends uh, started doing like a weekly Zoom meeting because uh, we all didn't have anything to do on Friday night anyway. Um, and we kind of rolled this in uh, once Among Us started becoming popular. And this has been a staple of our weekly Zooms ever since. It's just a... We used to do Jackbox and a lot of the other similar drawing games, and those are very fun. But this is kind of a different kind of fun. Um, it's nice to try and get one over on your friends. It's interesting to be able to try and figure out, you know, knowing your friends, knowing who's lying. It's just really interesting to see, you know, how they react or uh, like, oh, I know, I know my friend Trini. I know when he's the imposter, he won't talk, but when he isn't. He'll be the loudest one in the room. <laughs> uh, so it's it was just a really fun social thing for me, and just another no, one and this of those was a, things. This was a big that... hit for a lot of people for this exact reason. It's a it's a social game. It's like, and it doesn't. It's got a very low barrier to entry. It's like, can you talk to someone? Yep. Yeah. It's, it, right. yeah, it's, well, it's then five dollars on Steam game. or free on iOS or free on uh, console or uh, phones or iOS. With, and it's uh, it's five dollars on Switch now. Yeah, it's it, it's just been an absolute blast. I played like um, Steam has me on like thirty hours of this over a, you wow. know like a couple months. We've just been really enjoying this very simple, very fun social game, and you know every, everyone's talked about Among Us, and every, you know if you've played it, you kind of get it if it's for you. Uh, but mm. yeah, no, that's great. I'm a uh... This was one of the ones that that was one of the ones I, I completely ignored uh, that and Fall Guys, but Fall Guys is a different thing. Yes, um, I might might talk about that a little bit too. I played some of that. Okay, so next for me is a short one. This is uh, Ghost Runner. Uh, Ghost Runner is a first person. Oh, did you play this? I did play this. Oh, this is on my list. Um, okay, so Ghost Runner. I have to say right up front, I played the Switch version, which I would not recommend. Yes. Uh, it's bad. It's a poorly optimized port. The text is way too small, and the controls don't work as well on the Switch as I would like them to. Um, however, the game itself is quite good. It's a Hotline Miami-style thing where you are going into a small space, and you have to do a series of actions very quickly, exactly as you need to, 
like, okay, jump, run on this wall, kill this guy with a sword, block this bullet, uh, jump off the wall onto another wall, hang here, grapple to this spot, and you have to do it all exactly right in 30 seconds, which I love that style of gameplay. Yeah, that sounds And great. it lets you retry that 30-second part as many times as you want. Um, it's not a long game. It's not a super complicated game, but it's enjoyable. Uh, the story is stupid as hell. Uh, and, uh, the, the switch port is bad, but beyond that, I do not have any complaints about this game. Yeah. Like, I'm it's, really it's, looking it's, forward to getting It's to a this. lot of, it's, it's a fun time. Um, my recommendation, if you do end up playing this game, Alex and anyone listening is, uh, the upgrade you get very early on, you get like little Tetris blocks. You can slot into an upgrade space to try mm-hmm. and like, uh, so you can like, you know, oh, this upgrade is uh, is a larger one, but it's shaped like an L, so I can still fit it in here along with my double jump or whatever. Um, go for, as soon as you can get it, the bullet blocking one, where it allows you to, if a bullet's coming at you and you press attack at the right moment, you can send the bullet back at somebody. Ooh, cool. That bullet, that ability saved my ass so many times, I have no idea. Like, it's, <laughs> it's it, the, I feel like the game is, the game is extra, way too hard without it for me. But again, I was playing this on a controller, and that's it could be very, very different when you can mouse look around to spin around quickly, quicker. So, um, play this game on PC if you can, and otherwise, I would say probably don't play it. But it's a very good game. Yeah, this is uh, definitely on my list from like the second I saw it. Uh, there is a demo out on Steam I might mess around with, but I think mm-hmm. I'm just gonna play it. Yeah, uh, this it seems so up my alley as the kind of like first person, uh, fast. You know, it's not a shooter, but it feels of the same pedigree. Yeah. It's like, it's a little bit Mirror's Edge, a little bit uh, kind of quick combat of something like Doom and very Hotline Miami. That's the number one thing I felt when I was playing it, where it's like, it's going to, the the thing, if you do it perfectly, this is going to be over in 15 seconds, but you're yeah. not going to do it perfectly. So you're going to be doing this for an hour. And cool. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I can handle that. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That's uh, definitely up there for me as something that I still want to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, to keep the trend going, I a couple more multiplayer games I messed around with this year. Um, a lot of stuff that came and went for me. Um, Among Us was, is has become kind of a mainstay. I feel like I'll keep keep up with that as long as you know I keep mm-hmm. hanging out with my friends and playing it. Um, a game that came out this year that um, uh, uh, you know past host and friend of the show George uh, got me playing a little bit uh, was uh, Diabotical. This is an, mm. a free to play Epic Games release uh, <laughs> that is it's basically a send-up of quake uh, like it's it's basically new quake it's like uh your cute little robots instead of grungy looking pixel guys mm-hmm. uh but it's as straight up an unreal tournament or quake like as you can get and it's really really good at doing that um it that, felt, you're making it sound really good like that that's definitely it, something i think it I'd like felt to spot on as far as like a modern video game that evoked the kind of arena shooter roots of like the kind of stuff I, you know, played a ton of on LAN. It was just so fun to load up. There's um, kind of a, they have insta-give modes uh, built in where, you know, you just, you have a gun that shoots at a straight line. You have to click on the guy and you kill him. Hmm. Uh, And they also have um, the kind of standard arena match where you go collect your guns that are floating in the air around a map with a lot of verticality. Um, there's abilities that kind of evoke like a rocket jump and uh, other stuff, other techniques like that. Uh, bunny hopping is just baked in. You you can strafe, you can hold down that space bar, and you can keep going. It's a lot easier than 
some other games make it. Uh, but that just makes it so much faster and more fun. I, I've fallen off of it just because uh, I played around five hours or so, had a lot of fun with George, you know, killed him a bunch. Uh, but it's not something I felt the desire to go back to, even though it was very fun. Uh, there's this has this game is a plus on customization. There's so much stuff in there. A lot of hmm. a lot of shooters, especially ones that are made with a console audience in mind, don't do this. This is a PC ass PC game in that they let you customize your fucking crosshair color down to the hexadecimal, all this crazy bullshit that you just love to see in a game. Uh, this is was such a thing for me. I had a good couple hours out of it. I don't know if I'll go back to it, but <laughs> it's worth a shout out if you like that kind of thing. All right. No, that definitely sounds good. I, I can enjoy a, a game like that for sure. And um, I think that might be worth a shot for me. Maybe the next time I see George's online. Although I got him a new uh, GameCube controller earlier today, so I might never see him <laughs> on a game that's not Melee ever again. Yeah. Um, okay. Next for me is uh, Crash 4 It's About Time which is uh, a oh. good, good pun name also. I, I played uh, I played this. Um, the kind of people who play this game don't really make a lot of game of the year lists, so I don't I haven't seen it on like uh, yeah on lists. I've seen Although some I passing think... mentions, but I haven't seen the hardcore uh, platformer mm. uh, base really talk about this that much. Well, I mean, like the people who are like hardcore platformer base aren't usually the people who are who are huge fans of Crash Bandicoot. They're usually like, oh, yeah. Mario 64 is my favorite or Mario 3 is my favorite kind of thing. And um, while I don't think that the Crash games are like the most special thing in the world, I think that they do something that didn't really get done ever again. Like nobody cop there weren't Crash Bandicoot ripoffs in the way that there were uh, yes. Mario ripoffs or, or someone said uh, that's Mega because Man ripoffs uh, or anything. it's a bad idea. But. Well, yes, you could. Uh, in fact, Naughty Dog in 96, if you asked them, they would probably also would have said it was a bad idea. They're like, why did we do this? Now we have to make three more games like this. Um, but I think that the this kind of like behind-the-back platformer in a linear style can work and does work very well in this game. This game uh, is, I think, probably the best version of a sequel to those old Crash games you could have ever gotten. Mm -hmm. um it's a you know it's a it's a fun goofy uh kids platformer i say kids platformer but this game is fucking hard like it's uh yeah I, I like that about it i like that about it a lot and uh this game steals from the best and i want you to know this alex because i kept thinking while i was playing this game i'm like this feels a lot like a donkey kong game in a good way where uh -huh. like the stuff that they did in terms of level design and having longer levels and things that take you through multiple set pieces and kind of teaching you the the hazards but also not being afraid to mix them together and having levels be about more than one thing cool um the the level design is is well done and the thing i see online the most about this game which i 100 percent agree with is that there's too much shit to collect in this goddamn game <laughs> and um in in the older crash games there was always there was always uh like a reward for breaking every box in the level yeah. and it was like it you know it's how you get the secret ending of the game is you go through every level and you break all the boxes in that level but it was like kind of an extra thing you know you could beat the game by just reaching the end of all the levels and that's fine uh this game is the same way you don't need to break all the boxes but uh you get like six there are six possible gems for a level you get wow. one at one at twenty percent boxes completed, one at forty, 
uh, one at 60 and one at 100. And then you get another gem if you beat the level of dying uh, three or less times. And uh, then you get another, there's another one hidden somewhere in the level. And it's like, that's too many for one level. Like, you could yeah. maybe pare it down to three if you just did 100% completion on the boxes and under three deaths and the hidden one in the level. And that, even then, I, pr- I might have still gone, if they had just done what I just said, I might have still gone, that seems like too much shit to collect in a level. I, I feel like, generally, at least for my sentiment, I, I think that uh, if you, like, have a platformer level with stuff to find in it, I think going through once to beat it and then going through again to clean up the optional stuff or, you know, find the hmm. hidden gem or get all the boxes... Is, that's like the amount of times you want to do it. If you have to yeah. do a, a level five times to get everything, no, you, or... well, you don't, right? The idea is like if you were perfect, you could do all this in one run. In fact, there is a special reward that doesn't count towards your hundred percent completion uh, for doing it all in one run. And I got one by accident early on into the game, and I'm like, oh no, I wish <laughs> I hadn't found out about these. Because um, then every other time, every time I die at all. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get that perfect run trophy. It's like, I was never going to get that anyway. Yeah. But now I, but like, if but now, now you know that that was a possible thing, like, I feel weird, <laughs> like having all these rewards and shit. But like, that's stuff that's, it's weird to say because it's so baked into the game, but that stuff is honestly kind of extra. Because what's good about this game is that it's got multiple, like, playable characters. It's got little extra characters uh, in terms of people who didn't really do a whole lot in the previous games Dingo Dial and Tana and. Cortex is playable and his levels are a little half-baked, but I still like him anyway. Um, And, like, all this stuff is good. Like, these platforming levels are good, uh, especially, like, the having additional neon masks that you can pick up that do different things like slow down time or flip gravity or or, uh, phase in things like... I want to say, like, Mighty Switch Force. That's the best uh, thing I have to compare it to, mm-hmm. where you get a Mighty Switch Force power-up that allows you to phase things in and out of reality. Cool. Um, but they're context-sensitive, so you don't just have them at all times. So you're not like, oh, man, which mask do I have to use to get this box or whatever? It's like, oh, I see that mask in this part of the level, so now I can. Uh, now I'm going to have a very specific challenge with this specific mask. And it's just... It, it was a fun time. Like, it, I don't know if it's um, my favorite thing they've ever done, but... Uh, this is like um, so. I this is like a, a genuinely tough 3D platformer challenge with too much shit to collect and maybe too much extra stuff going on. But the moment-to-moment level design, especially towards the end of the game, where they're having you, where they're mixing stuff up a lot, uh, and the the checkpoints are good. There, you don't feel like you're having to play the entire level every time. Uh, it's kind of stuff like that, and it's it's not afraid to kill you, which I think is good. Like I think even on the easiest settings of this game. I don't know if you gave, gave this to me as a seven-year-old. I don't think I would be able to beat it. Some of the shit in the final level, like it's it's, and I think that's a positive. Like I think if you're gonna do a, a platformer and you're gonna try and like make it fun and have all these extra mechanics in there, you should really test people at the end of it. Like bother to. And I think that this is a pretty good game. If you're a 3D platformer person, you can you'll probably enjoy it, even if you have zero affection for the crash, ca- crash characters, which lots of people don't because they're not super great. <laughs> so did Naughty Dog make this, or did the, no, a different studio not. do this? Uh, this is, um, it's funny, because I uh, the, the Crash remakes, right, um, the, the Insane trilogy that came out a couple of years ago, uh, that was made by Vicarious Visions, one of Activision's sub-studios. And they made one original level, and, uh, and they... Um, added in one that was like cut out from the original crash one because it was too hard, but left in the code. So they did a little bit of design work on these old games. And I'm looking at that and I'm like, Oh, they're gearing these guys up to make a new one. 
that by having them like work within the old framework. But but then the the Crash Four gets announced, and it's not even them. It's Toys for Bob, the people who did the Spyro remake. And it's like, what's the? Huh. Why did you do that? What's the fucking point? Why did you have a different group of people make the the Crash remake than the Crash sequel? Why would you bother with that? I don't understand. But but they, they did, did a good, a good game? job. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a good game. Like I, I think huh. it's a, I think it's a really they did a good job with it. I just don't know why they chose them over Vicarious Visions. I don't know what they what they're doing right now. Yeah, um, yeah. The one thing that I saw people mention the most about this game was that they have both uh, like a modern and a retro mode for playing yes. with or without lives, which is a really nice design decision. I, because I the tried lives it are both outdated. ways, and I believe and I uh, beat the game earlier today. I played in retro mode for most of the game which is you get a game over you go back to the beginning of the level and i think that that style is fine for most of the entire game until the last world because then the levels get so long like they're they're expecting you to be playing on the modern style right because they're they're willing to kill you a hundred times in one level not that i ever died that many times but they're ready to do it yeah so you're never going to earn as many lives as, as that level is going to kill you for so you unless you're way better at video games than i am which i don't know uh maybe i'm just bad but like the once the levels start to get a lot longer and more intricate uh getting sent back to the beginning of them starts to become more of a threat so i think that that's when it it breaks down a little bit cool but other than that i think like uh you know this game's design sensibilities are really good i i think that it's a it's not, again, it's not like the, the best thing in the world or the most innovative thing in the world. I think that Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze shits all over this game, but that's okay because you're yeah. not going to, not every game is going to be Tropical Freeze. Sometimes you're just going to get a good platformer that you have fond memories of. Like, then that's, that's what this is. Awesome. Um, so next on my list, I, I think I'm going to mention Fall Guys. I don't have a ton to mm-hmm. say about it, but I did play it this year. Um, this was big for, this made a splash for like, seeming like, like two weeks <laughs> nobody mm-hmm. talked about it anymore yeah. um, well i think that the the real problem was that they didn't know how to leverage their success you know yeah. like the the new stuff wasn't ready in time and the stuff that they had didn't last long enough and the skill floor is is low but the skill ceiling is also very very low and uh, yeah I, people like, kind of just got bored with it and that's yeah. generally where i'm at i played i played it for a bit of this i never won but i made it to the end a couple times and it was fun to see, like, the kinds of stages, the kind of obstacle course stages that they made up. Uh, but you ended up playing the same couple of them a lot, uh, even when there were more in rotation. Like, you could see the other stages that you weren't getting, but you kept you keep getting the same first zone or the same second, uh, second that one. That reminds me of how I used to feel with Splatoon. Yeah, and, like, that was a big bummer. I, it's still fun. Like, if somebody said, hey, let's play Fall Guys, I probably would, you know, boot it up mm. and have a good time. I think it probably would be a big difference if you were on mic with somebody, right? Yes. Like, I Yeah, I haven't not played this game by myself. I don't think I would, really. Mm. <laughs> um, I played this with a couple friends, and that experience isn't ideal, I think, because this isn't a team game. If you lobby up with someone and they get knocked out in the first round, but you're still in... Uh, all they can do is watch you. And that's not super fun for the person who yeah. didn't make the cut. Uh, and it's not that fun for the person who's still playing. Because at least, you know, when I would keep going and my two friends that I'm playing with didn't go, uh, didn't make the cut, uh, I would just feel like they were watching me play. And that's not fun. Uh, but ultimately, it was a, it was a good time. There just wasn't really enough to it. And I'm not 
invested enough to keep checking back when they add stuff. Um, they seems know. like they've added some uh, yeah. Christmas stuff. I just see a patch on Steam right now. So I'm sure they're supporting the game, but I mm -hmm. probably won't be back to find out. Uh, I'm sure it has some awful name like Big Dingus or whatever. Oh, I'm yeah. Gonna to, I'm going to have to meme, look at it and it's going to send sucks. a shiver down my spine. Yeah, don't do that, guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a thing I played this year. I got a good like five, six hours out of it. It was fun. Mm -hmm. It was 20 bucks. Sure. Good time. Um, all right. I only have two games left on my list. I don't know about you. Um, yeah, I'm pretty much there. Uh, all right. So the next thing on my list is uh, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon 2 which came out this year. Um, so the first Bloodstained game is one that, Alex, you had recommended to me a while ago. Yes. And I only got around to playing it last week. So mm -hmm. um, Bloodstained it was the uh, the kickstarted revival of a Castlevania-style franchise by the former director, uh, Igarashi. Uh, and he was making a Symphony of the Night-style game with, uh, with, you know, that kind of aesthetic and uh, play style. And uh, as a stretch goal for the Kickstarter, they're like, if we make a certain amount of money, we will also make an old style Castlevania game, like a like an yeah, NES, it was a stretch goal. Uh, yeah, like one based on Castlevania three. And then while the uh, bigger Symphony of the Night style game is still in development, a couple of years ago, Curse of the Moon comes out, and Curse of the Moon is their NES version, uh, and they you know they're selling it for like 10, 10 bucks, fifteen bucks or whatever. And people are playing, and they're like, holy shit, I hope the real game doesn't come out. This is really good. And I'm like, all right, that's uh, that seems silly. Let me, let me, I, I, and you know, I played a little bit of it when you brought it over one time after it came out the first time. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, wow, this feels really good. Like, I, I don't go after like every single retro style platformer, but like, I, I do enjoy yeah. a Shovel Knight. I do enjoy that kind of thing. And I was talking about Panzer Paladin earlier. I picked up Curse of the Moon. I'm like, oh wow, this feels great. Like I, I liked uh, the I like the old Castlevanias. This feels better than them. Like feels better to control, but while still evoking that kind of feeling. Yeah, there's like, a stiffness, that... but it doesn't feel as yeah. stiff. <laughs> and it like like Castlevania three, uh, where you can switch between different protagonists. This game has that, except it's not on the NES. So you can actually do it in a way that feels good. You can switch um, on the fly. Yeah, it's so fun. And all four of the characters in the original Curse of the Moon are so good. You've got your uh, strong swordsman who can tank some damage and deal some damage, but isn't very mobile. And their special he weapons aren't super good. Doesn't have a lot good. of range. Yeah, it doesn't have a lot of range. And then you've got uh, the one with the whip and the slide and the high jump, but she can't take as many hits and doesn't do as much damage, but her sub-weapons are really varied. And then you've got the mage whose sub-weapons are busted because they're all magic spells that <laughs> yeah. do incredibly high damage, but he can ta only take one hit before he withers away. And then you've got uh, uh, the guy who is like Alucard, and I'll never remember his name because he's, he's Alucard, yeah, so he's, he turns into a bat and flies around, which means you can get wherever you want in the stage if you know how to maneuver and you're willing to spend oh. the resources for it. And there's some so awesome like, non-linearity with those levels. Like, Oh, yeah. Depending so on where good. you go, you can get forward, you can skip stuff, you have to take so a long way. Yeah, so oh. that's the first one. That's Bloodstained Curse of the yeah. Moon. One. Great game. Didn't come out this year, but great yeah, game. Didn't come out this year. Great game. Curse of the Moon 2 is a sequel to the stretch goal to the Kickstarter campaign <laughs> that they made. And I saw this announced in some kind of uh, indie direct or something. I don't rem quite remember where I saw it. But um, uh, this was... Uh, they showed off the new characters. And it's like, okay, only the, only the main sword guy comes back. And I'm like, oh, that's a little disappointing. Because... Uh, I say this, of course, uh, not when I was watching the announcement, but now having played the original because I loved all the way that those characters feel. And yeah. I feel like you could make another whole game out of their movesets. 
but only the sword guy comes back. And I'm like, okay, let's see the new people. The new people is a kind of hybrid mage spear woman who can pogo on stuff with her spear and bounce okay. off of them. And then you've got a, uh, a sniper, a guy who moves kind of slowly, but can hit somebody from across the screen. Cause he has like a rifle. Uh, so right. he, anybody has to re- reload the rifle after he fires and doesn't do a ton of damage, but because it can hit things anywhere on the screen, it's, you know, useful. He can also wall jump. Uh, and that's, it's, it's an odd combination of abilities to give to that guy. And then of course there is the Corgi and the steam powered mech, who is a heavy <laughs> character, um, move slow, low jump, um, and, uh, you know, low mobility, but they can crash down onto spikes that would kill any other character oh. and walk right over them. And uh, they their special ability, they don't get any sub-weapons, but they can turn invincible for a little bit, by, and it drains your sub-weapons really quickly. But the thing is, no boss is tanky enough to withstand you turning invincible and smashing him <laughs> in the face with this steam-powered corgi robot. So... Which is unfortunate because this game is is good. It's 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 a good game. It's I don't know if it feels as good to play as the first Curse of the Moon, but Hachi, the name which is the Corgi's name, like Hachi, it like destroys the bosses so easily that it doesn't feel as as uh kind of like you don't have to work as hard to dodge this stuff. And like in some of the the like harder zones of the game, I wasn't really thinking about the hazards. I'm like, Oh, if I get enough hearts, I can walk through this with Hachi's invincibility thing. And it's a shame because I do think that this game is, is well designed that it's, it's still good. It's just like, there are pieces of it that are just really make me wish I was playing the first one, which is weird. Uh, like they I, just I, I give you see... the way to break the game. It, it seems. Yeah. And I don't know, like, like you could fly around so easily as the bat in the first, in the first curse of the moon. And like, that was nice but it didn't feel broken yeah it was uh, it was kind of a trade-off too because you got you can get knocked out of it by yeah. getting hit and you had to use your your sub weapon power and like yeah. you didn't have hearts or that character died and the second run right the second run in the first curse of the moon like you get all the way to the end and one of your characters gets possessed and you have to go back and save them yeah that character in the first game is the one you've had for the longest time. It's Sangetsu, the one with the sword. So it's like, okay, doing this without him is a little different because I always had him. But right. the one that gets taken in this one is this is the second person you pick up, the girl that can pogo on things. And it's like, I didn't even use her all that much. Like I, I used Take her a little. Take my crunch away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was I was hoping that like I'd have to do it all as one of the weaker characters. But if I can just do this all again with Hachi, then it's like it doesn't feel. I, I had no incentive to do a second run of this like I did with the first one. So it's just a little disappointing. Like it's it's still a game that I I don't know if I would recommend, but it, it was an enjoyable time. I'm happy okay. I played it, but it just wasn't. It doesn't have that magic that the that the first Curse of the Moon did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's too bad. I, I had been interested in this, but I I probably won't go for it. I liked the first Curse of the Moon quite a bit, but mm. uh, like it like wasn't amazing yeah, to me. I I would love to to come on here and say, "Oh, Curse the Moon 2, all the characters are as good as the ones in Curse the Moon 1 because that was incredible. That was like yeah. just what I wanted." And playing them back to back especially, I I felt the difference, you know? Yeah, that's Ugh. too bad. It's, it's a shame. It's just a damn shame. All right. Uh, so, yeah, I've got a couple more. Um I think I'm going to talk about Spirit Fair. This is a game yeah. that I just played. Uh I just finished it today. Um I had mentioned when I was talking about Carrion that I re-upped my Game Pass subscription. Uh, so I was looking around for anything else that came out this year that was on there. Um, and this is a game that, at least in the, kind of the online circles I was in, people were really hot on. They really liked this game. 
Um, this kind of dropped on, they kind of they kind of stealth dropped it on one of the indie directs, I think, or something. Mm -hmm. um, but this got a lot of attention on Switch. Um, I played the PC version. Uh, this is kind of a, it's an interesting mix of games. Uh, it combines the kind of like Stardew Valley, Animal Crossing New Horizons, uh, crafting an upgrade loop mm. with... Um, I guess the best way to describe it is kind of, it's kind of a, a pyre adjacent story where you are taking these spirits and you are fulfilling their last wishes in order to send them on so they can be released. Uh, so you're kind of getting to know these characters and then you're letting them go is kind of the narrative thrust of this game. Uh, the gameplay is essentially you on your boat traveling to different islands to gather resources, talk to spirits, find uh, new guys, do quests, buy things. Uh, and then you're upgrading your boat. Uh, you mm -hmm. can talk to the uh, the whale shark guy and he'll uh, you know he'll tell you, oh, you need this much iron, you need this much wood, you need this much money to upgrade your you know to the next size of your boat or to upgrade so you can explore more of the map. Uh, and the spirits on your boat will ask for things like, uh, oh, can you build me a house on the boat? Or, hmm. oh, can you make this specific food for me? Uh, or can you go explore this island? And then you kind of fulfill those tasks, and then eventually they you get a little bit more of a glimpse into their specific story, and then they say, all right, I think I'm ready to move on. And you take oh, them back. I like that. And you let them go. It sounds like a good version of Grim Fandango. <laughs> uh, it's... And the... The gameplay loop was so compelling to me. Like I'm, I'm, I wasn't really hit emotionally by any of the specific character stories, or like I liked some of the characters, but I wasn't like in tears when I had to let my mushroom friend go. Uh, it was just like cool. It was good. I just was so into like growing plants and uh, gathering logs and mining ores and making my boat bigger and cooler. Mm. Uh, it was like such an unexpected thing for me because that's like is this, the is this thing. a long game? Uh, it took me about fifteen hours, twenty hours. I, I did that seems like a, good a, a bit of the optional stuff, but I didn't do everything. Um, and it's it was just really fun. Uh, you like as you gather more guys, you get um, a couple. You get access to like Metroidvania adjacent abilities, like you get a glide and a double jump. And the ability to explore more of the islands that you found to gather, you know, more spirits and more resources. But I just got so caught up in that loop. And that, like, that was the thing that lost me in Animal Crossing, was having to craft things. Uh, but the fact that I could just mainline it, I could just, you know, do in five minutes what I had to wait an entire day to do in Animal Crossing was, like, so compelling to me. I, It just hit for me in a weird way. <laughs> That's hard to describe, but... Um, the kind of exploring of the ocean isn't as isn't very mechanically complicated. You kind of point to a to a spot you want to go to, and your boat goes there. But you get to do all your micromanaging tasks while you're on your trip. So you can kind of be like, okay, well, I'm going to grow, uh, I'm going to grow some wheat so that I can make some bread, so that I can give it to the guy. But while I'm doing that, on my way, I can do this other thing, and like that, it just hit a, such a specific button for me. Um, yeah, you're you're definitely selling me on it. Yeah, it, it's fun. It's definitely worth a try if you have Game Pass. It's it's on there. It's free or free with your subscription. Um, it's a great Switch game, uh, supposedly. Uh, it seems <laughs> like it fits on that platform perfectly. Um, 
it definitely gave me a little bit of a like a Wind Waker vibe, just kind of being on a cool boat and exploring a bunch of islands. Uh, there's like four distinct uh, sections of the map that all have kind of a different aesthetic. It was cool to have like one of them is very Eastern themed. One of them is like city themed. There's like a woodsy area. It was just cool to see like that kind of stuff. I don't know. It, it really worked for me. <laughs> it was one of my favorite games this year, completely out of nowhere. So highly right. recommend. Well, okay. Yeah, no, that sounds great. I actually think that that's something I'm going to probably going to check out uh, later in the week. Um, but the next one on, on my list is the last one on my list. Uh, any further back and forth will be done with um, a couple of uh, extra notes I received uh, well before we recorded. Cool. Um, so uh, this last one is um, one that I am a little salty. I liked it as much as I did because I want to – I always want to shout out smaller developers. That's why towards the beginning of the show I tried to stick – tried to stick to the smaller games outside of like Doom Eternal and Resident Evil. But yep. this is made by fucking Hal Laboratories who have infinite money in development time. This is a <laughs> part-time UFO, a very small game uh, done in pixel art, but it's more in the style of a Rhythm Heaven or a WarioWare where it's like very clearly – drawn with an ink and pen and then converted to pixel later you know but uh, yeah. not not lazily drawn but like childishly if that makes sense where like they they make things uh, cute and exaggerated and they don't it's not a ton of detail put into it because it's it's a smaller game part-time ufo is about a ufo coming to work to observe uh, coming to earth to observe the culture of work on earth which is a very funny premise already <laughs> but it's just a, it's just an excuse for you to do puzzles because you are not just a ufo you're a ufo catcher like the claw machines in japan oh, so you are okay. a you are a little tiny ufo maybe the size of a, a person's head that has a big claw machine claw that descends, grabs, and comes back <laughs> up. So you have to complete jobs doing that. And uh, like, just for an example, the first one when you come to Earth is that, uh, or some uh, like some crates of oranges get knocked off a truck, and you have to put them back in the truck. Now that sounds like the most boring task in the universe. But when the physics of you picking up something with a claw machine claw and it swaying around in your hand, you have to not drop them and release them in the right place. And momentum matters because if you want to release something and turn around, if you do it too fast, you'll fling it at somebody, you know, <laughs> um, and it won't land the right way. Or maybe you have to build something like one of it, it's like build a temple and it's like uh, an ancient Greek style temple. And so you have to pick up the columns, move them to the right place. And so you have to make sure you're exactly still when you drop the columns. Because if you're not, then they'll end up sideways. And if they not get knocked over, then what's the point? Or you have to stack things, or you have to fit a bunch of Tetris blocks together to build a robot. Every puzzle in this game is fun. Uh, and, like, the little extra medals and uh, little outfits you can put on your UFO. Uh, this is, like, a this is like a maybe a four-hour game. Maybe. Cool. But it's extra stuff makes it so worth it. I was... I... I downloaded If Found, right? A very, um, a very, and I have since played some of If Found, but like, it's a uh, well done um, kind of story about uh, going back home as a uh, trans woman in Ireland and like the dealing with what your uh, family and friends think of you and, and adjusting to your new life and trying to figure out who you are and all that stuff. And I, I had fully prepared to like for that to be my game that day. But then I opened up my Switch again and I'm like, oh, part-time UFO is still installed and I've already beaten the game, but what if I just played it for another couple of hours instead? <laughs> and I did. And it's it's a blast. It's just a, a video game 
in the way that you want a video game to be. Very tiny challenges that you can get better and better at. Uh, a, a great fun idea of just playing as a little claw machine at solving these tasks. An adorable art style. Um, uh, music that is not annoying. Uh, that's the best I can say about it. Because if uh, the longer the longer puzzles, it's like if the music was annoying, it would drive you insane. Uh, yeah. But it's all like it's just and it's it's like nine dollars or some shit. Like if you have a switch, oh, yeah. go Seems go like get it. This game, game this game yeah. is great. Oh my god, I had so much fun with this. I played this earlier this week of the week of we're recording this and it like rocketed up my list of like best things i played this year with no oh, effort yeah. like it was so good and uh, I, I might still go back for more even though there's not much else for me to do in the game there's like a little bit of a post game thing where you go to a, a secret island and you can't touch certain hazards Ooh. with you or your claw otherwise you get sent back to the beginning and i'm like oh i don't know if i have i, I want to do this I'm, I'm i saw the credits i'm probably done and then now, like the more I think about the game, I'm like actually, uh, it's it is more of the game, and I do like the game a lot. So uh, <laughs> I don't know, maybe I'll go back for that stuff too. It's just like, it's just you know, it's it's a cute, fun puzzle game that I don't have anything bad to say about. Like I, I think it's it's just awesome. Awesome, cool. Yeah, that's it. Sounds very fun. I like the idea of like the kind of physics-y spin on that where you have yeah. to really be... Your controls can work against you. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I, I don't I don't have a ton more, but I uh, I guess I'm going to have to talk about the big game. <laughs> the big... <laughs> uh, the big Cyberpunk 70, 2077 video game. Let's hear it. It just came out. Uh, yes, it just came out, and I'm only about 20 hours in, so I have not finished the game. Um, I'm reasonably sure I'm near the end of the second act, which is, seems like the main thrust of the story. Um, but there's so much optional stuff that I still want to do. I really am not confident in going on at this point. But so this is this is a big, big fucking video game. If you care about video games or even tangentially know about them, you've heard about the, all the shit surrounding this game. Um, I don't super want to talk about any, any of that stuff. I kind of just want to talk about the process of playing it and what I enjoy about it because I do like this game. There's issues, there's bugs, but so far all of them to me have just been incidental or very funny, uh, which isn't a bummer to me. Like one of my favorite games, Fallout New Vegas, is was a notoriously buggy video game. Uh, and, and still And still <laughs> is. Uh, so I'm a little bit immu- more immune to that kind of thing than some folks. And I know that... Um, console versions of this game specifically are very busted uh but having playing it on my nice computer uh i've enjoyed very solid frame rates uh at 2k it it looks very good with everything turned up uh but yeah so just the process of playing this video game it's it plays a little bit like it plays enough like a deus ex where it scratches some of that itch to me Mm-hmm. Um, even if it is just a lot of the like genre trappings of a sci-fi game where people strap metal to themselves, um, it plays a little bit more like a GTA or a Fallout in than a Deus Ex. But there still is enough verticality to the world, and uh, you know, options. The sinking seems totally abysmal from what I've seen. <laughs> As an option, and this I, is just coming from someone who hasn't played. I so. did, I I did stealth for the first couple hours. I I did maybe the first five hours of my game specced into stealth, and it works as a person like me who will save and reload if I get seen instead of fighting. <laughs> um, 
but it's not super good. There's not a great option for taking someone down from stealth without just walking up behind them and giving them the love choke. Uh, there's not a great silenced option for killing people unless you spec <laughs> really heavily into pistols, like to the point where it should, it like doesn't matter. Like you could have just killed them outright loudly. Are you telling me easier. that killing someone with a sword isn't quiet? <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I've done, I've done a little stealth and it was slightly rewarding. There were like alternate routes. I could, you know, go over the fence this side or jump in on the roof and have a better chance at sneaking into this place. Um, but I've since pivoted to uh, strapping swords onto my arms and murdering everyone at every opportunity. Uh, and that has been where the like actual gameplay combat in this game has clicked for me more. Um, the Mantis Blades upgrades are pretty much the Deus Ex Human Revolution arm blades, uh, and they are so fun. Uh, they take advantage of like the whole like swords tech trait, so you have so much to play with. Um, I would literally just uh, get spotted and then mow down everyone in a compound very easily. <laughs> and like that's fun because in a more immersive semi deus ex kind of game, I usually take the world a little bit more seriously than that. Uh, like if I'm playing Human Revolution, I'm generally not a murder bot because like, <laughs> like I'm interested in exploring that world. You can play a world. murder bot in so many other games. Yes, I'd like to sneak around and because the that kind of game supports it. This game supports it a little bit less, but it also just makes it very fun to, <laughs> to slice everyone up. Um, the gunplay is a little bit less good because um, it can get statsy. Like if you have a gun that you picked up early, it can be lower level than that can't isn't communicated that well. But I have been really enjoying a lot of the quests and like the side stuff is fun. Uh, like I think uh, CD Projekt Red's writing is still pretty good. I don't think this is Witcher tier because The Witcher has a lot of things backing it up. I, there's a lot of, uh, you know, books and existing story to help them. Uh, this is has less of that. I don't know a ton about the cyberpunk tabletop game, but it I don't seemed... think that stuff matters that much. Like the lore yeah. is there so that you can build into it on your own, right? right. So it doesn't. It's not like The Witcher where it's every part of that world is super well defined except for where things are relative to each other which is what you have to figure out yeah. this one it's like well the map isn't drawn but the history is there and it's meant to it's up to the writers to figure out their own story within that yeah and i think they've been pretty successful i think they're shooting a weird gap with making a you know player created character but then having so much voice dialogue and stuff your character is v uh, that is your, like, you either have a male voice or a female voice, and a lot of that stuff is set in stone because it's all voiced. Um, but they give you a decent selection to kind of roleplay it. Um, at the beginning of the game, you get to choose your background from one of three things. You're either like a, a, you're a corporate guy, you're a drifter that lives outside the city, or you're a street kid in the city. Um, mm. And you can invoke that very often um it's less of like a stat check thing and like the fallout new vegas style but more of just this is the flavor of this conversation we want to have um okay, that's kind of cool but since i picked the i picked the corporate back uh backstory because i was interested in uh kind of role-playing a guy who was burned by these corporations and now wants to fuck them up mm -hmm. um and i wasn't sure how much of the game was going to support that but that is kind of what 
they go with. <laughs> um, All right. Since they have to kind of converge those backgrounds pretty early, they like set you up and then they fuck you up and then and then you're kind of there. Uh, but a lot of the times when I'm in a conversation, I like knowing about these corporations makes me able to have the leg up in a conversation. And that's something I didn't expect to see in this game, really. Uh, you can do other skill checks based on your other skills, but they don't have a ton of effect gameplay-wise. It's just an interesting wrench to throw in a conversation to uh, maybe not get a gameplay reward out of it, but you know, win the argument or mm. do that's something like fun. that. And that's, it's been fun. I, I've been really enjoying a lot of the side stuff. Uh, the main quest seems interesting. Um, I don't know if you're interested in spoilers or if you care, uh, anybody I listening or Nick. Um, <laughs> I'm going to kind of spoil the way that um, your, uh, your friend there, uh, Johnny Silverhand, factors into mm. it. But uh, so after the like main introduction mission, um, you steal this experimental chip and uh, you end up having to put it in your, into your own head. Uh, and this experimental chip ends up being an AI construct, which is trying to take over your body. Uh, and so you're basically hallucinating uh, this other guy, Johnny Silverhand, as he's trying to become you. Uh, but you, neither of you want to become each other. Uh, and it's the main thrust of the story thus far has been trying to figure out how to get this thing out of my out of your head without killing you. Mm. Um, and it's been pretty interesting. Just having another character in your head in this way uh, is like not an original sci-fi concept, but it's something that like he can weigh in on conversations as you're having them. And since the other people in the world can't see this guy, uh, you can have a you know quick aside with him about the thing you're going to do uh, and while still having a normal conversation with someone else. And it's fascinating to hear that person weigh in while you're talking to someone else like that he obviously has an agenda i was reading that they rewrote the entire game and uh and did a lot of extra dev work to build it around keanu very late in development mm -hmm. uh which is part of why the game is like that in quotes yeah it's i think it's i think it works i like that because he is a very specific character in universe he's a um he's a terrorist who died um, destroying one of the like biggest buildings in the city that represents the biggest corporation that owns the city. Um, and so he has a perspective. He hates, he hates these companies. And, you know, I do as the character that I'm playing, uh, but like he obviously has a perspective. So it's interesting to hear him say, Oh, this is a mistake. You're wasting your time. But like, Oh, maybe I don't feel that way. Um, hmm. It's, it's been interesting. I, you know, I don't, indulge on a lot of these big games that often like i didn't play last of us 2 i didn't play a lot of this other stuff that people really talk about you know triple a game of the year wise um but this one has hit this game enough. was kind of this year was kind of weird about that yes this one has hit enough of those kind of enough of the things i like about a deus ex and a fallout to be enjoyable and kind of bringing that to such a vibrant really pretty looking open world has been good. I'm looking forward to finishing it. All right. Well, that was not ex what I expected when you said you were going to talk about Cyberpunk. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I people have been uh... down on it, and I get it. Like, I understand 
not wanting to play this game because I see some other people on my timeline are like, all right, I, I want to, I'm going to force myself through cyberpunk because I bought it and I want to finish it uh, before I move on to whatever else. And I'm like, Oh boy. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not what I, you know, I didn't go into this expecting anything groundbreaking really, but it has hit my expectations. I think you know, I totally get if no, you don't want to play this because of the way that the, you know, developers at CD Projekt Red were treated or because the way that it handles certain issues. I, I get it, yeah. but uh, for I, me, uh, I, I have the privilege of being able to just enjoy this fun video game uh, without thinking about that um, at time. Yeah, there were definitely some big reasons I was kind of avoiding this, but also I know Emily wants to play it. So maybe that'll, maybe I'll end up installing it on my uh, PC. And if that's the case, then if it's already there, I mean, I might as well try it. Why, why not? Right. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great uh, it's a great tech showcase game too. Like if you have a nice computer and you're able to to flex some of, especially Nvidia's new um, like ray tracing features and stuff like that, it's really great. It's a little bit unstable because the game is a mess. Uh, so like you, you probably shouldn't aren't getting as high frame rates as you should be. But I've been just loving how this game looks to play. <laughs> Just wandering around, and like that's something that doesn't hit me that often in a video game. Yeah. Like I'm, a, I'm over shiny pixel graphics in most cases, but I was like, mm. no, this looks great. This is cool. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think that's gonna about yeah. close it out, we, right? We went like, on pretty I, long I, for this. One. We went on pretty long. <laughs> uh, what's a briefly? What do you think are, are your favorites this year? Like, because uh, we Ooh. we talked about just about everything we played, uh, but you said Half Life pretty Alex much. at the beginning. That's probably gonna be the the highlight, right? Yeah, I um one more thing I forgot to mention. I I did mess around with um Minecraft Steve in uh Smash Brothers a little bit. Oh yeah. So fun. All uh, three all three of the DLC characters they added this year were uh were uh, were really fun to play as. Uh even Min Min the arms character is like I think I might like try and uh, make her work competitively when tournaments come back because yeah. I think that that's a fun these characters are fun and like uh, it's easy to go like who could they possibly add that would be like you know different or new and then you know minecraft's in the game and you're like oh shit i have no idea how they're fucking gonna do yeah that. he places like, down his own blocks as yeah. somebody who's like you know i'm more of a minecraft person than a smash bros person generally um but just seeing how faithful they were to his design and the kinds of crazy stuff they shoehorned into this game to make him uh, character yeah. uh, was just so fun to see you know so even if i'm just jumping in for a couple casual games i'm gonna i'm gonna throw some lava at people absolutely um, but yeah going back to highlights for this year i think it has to be half-life alex it just was truly there's nothing else like that in a video game really right now and even if it's you know even if it takes valve a company uh, with as many resources as them this long to make a game like this like maybe it's one of a kind maybe they won't match this uh hmm. maybe it, this is it for vr i don't know uh, i have a nice headset and i will play new vr releases uh but i was just so happy with what they did and if this means they're going to return to half-life as a franchise i'm just so into that even if you know the next game they make if they make half-life 3 or whatever even if it's not in vr i will play it i will enjoy it uh, I'm such a Valve mark. I had so much fun with that game. <laughs> um, I just another shout out to I like. I think uh, Spirit Pharaoh was great. I think I would put it at my like three or four. It didn't hit for me as much as some of these other games, but it like was just my latest thing. I was so into it. Uh, yeah, so that's there. I you know I talked at length about everything I played pretty much. 
Great year. What do you got? What's your number uh, one? Number one this year, I think it's honestly 13 Sentinels. Like, I, I think that there are other games that I like a lot that came out this year, but that's the one that left the biggest impression on me and the one I was, like, coming back to so quickly to, to find out what crazy new science fiction thro- trope they were going to throw at me next. Um, and whether or not everything kind of fits together in the end i realized at the end of the game i was like oh actually that doesn't matter to me because i was here for the ride like i was along for yeah. the ride of of uh improving these uh, teenagers giant robots so that they could take on increasingly tough waves of um you know giant uh like crazy alien enemies and uh uh the the scenes were gorgeous like there's there's outside of a outside of a like a high school track uh locker room at sunset is just one of the locations you end up going to a couple of times because one of the one of the characters that you're playing as is a uh like a a, on the girls track team and she's the one who's hiding hiding an alien in her track bag and like (laughs) uh and like that location is like so gorgeously painted that even though it's the same screen every time i'm like oh i'm not i'm not mad to be back here this this looks great like (laughs) it's i don't know it's i i don't describing this game doesn't i i can't possibly get the words out to make it sound as good as it was like because yeah. describing it as half visual novel half tower defense makes it sound like shit <laughs> it makes it sound awful yeah i think even if, if you know what it looks like yeah i think if you're interested in that or you know you you see you hear next recommendation and you're like well what is this game just like, look at some screenshots you know don't look mm-hmm. at some story stuff obviously but like yeah take a look at how you know this game looks like i even think like the cover art is something that could sell this game it uh in the u.s it comes with a little art book uh it comes with a little art book when you buy it it's like folded into the um the uh the the main packaging because you get like a cardboard sleeve and the art book's like the size of the game if you're you know buying it that way and uh that was you know that's that's how confident they are in this and it's it they're for good reason like it's it just looks amazing and it was uh, fun to play and I really enjoyed the ride that the story took me on and it was like it, it was a, just a great experience this year and one that I can't think of anything that it I could relate it to you know like I, I can't think of another game that I played that was like that one and that's something I value a lot yeah absolutely because uh, I played you know I played a dozen pixel platformers this year and even though I'm probably going to play a hundred more. Uh, it was nice to to feel something completely new in a game. Absolutely. That's kind of where I usually sit when I'm doing yearly roundups like this or when I'm just thinking about my favorite games that really came out in a year. I, I really I love something that's different, something that, you know, you can't get anywhere else. And that's just it's so important. And, you know, while there are games that like Doom Eternal just, you know, do a certain thing so well, but it's a thing that I've been doing. It's great, but it's not as it's it's not you know the first new Half Life game in fourteen years in VR or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, some great games this right, year. I yeah. was a Absolutely. little bit you know this was a weird year for everyone, mm. a weird year for game releases. Yes, yeah, but um, it was cool to see some cool. It was nice to get to yeah. talk about all this stuff with you because I think we we have a lot of overlap, but also I think we went in different directions. Yes, so that was it was nice to talk about all this stuff. And if you enjoyed this, be sure to let us know listener because we uh 
We are, of course, on Twitter at Please Don't Cast. We are uh, on Patreon at patreon.com slash please don't cast, where you can always vote on your uh, on the hazardous materials for the month. But also, I'm going to put a little feedback poll on there because I want to know if people like this style of episode, the, uh, the kind of review, like the little extra Round ones up. that we do, <laughs> the roundups that are, aren't really connected to any one main topic, but... Is something that we can go over. Cam has suggested maybe doing a uh, a little uh, book club one every once in a while because he enjoys the, those uh, those style of episodes. It's not yeah, going to be our this, main thing or yeah, replacing, but do. it's I nice mean, to do something like this every for, now and then. For as long as we went on about it, that it should be clear <laughs> that we really enjoy doing this yeah. kind of thing. Uh, yeah. So if you enjoyed it, please let us know because uh, mm-hmm. this is always fun to do. I you know I play a lot of games in a year and I don't get a chance to talk about half of them, mm-hmm. uh, even to my friends in private. So it's great. Yeah, it's uh, it's been really great to do this. Thank you, Alex, for coming on with me. And uh, we'll see you next time in the new year. And hopefully video games are still good, even if nothing else is. Mm. Can't wait. All right. See you later. Bye, everyone.